1: <laughs> Welcome to Brother Date Star Tracks Edition Week 76, I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. Again, the countdown to the end of TOS continues. Yeah. This one and three others. Yeah. And yeah, we're it, running out of them. In fact, TOS was uh, last place last week, so we get to start with them this week. Yep, this
2: week we watched The Cloud The Cloudminders.
1: was developing i was like ah cool We got some video game music of some kind here <laughs> and then i realized it was castle on a
2: cloud note someone did
1: an 8-bit yeah. version
2: of that uh someone did several several <laughs> of the les Mis's in 8-bit that's format, fascinating and i snagged that one for you
1: i'll have to check those out after the show
2: <clears throat> yeah uh enterprise is en route to ardana to pick up some zeonite To cure a biological plague on a nearby world. Stop me if any of this is familiar. (laughs) It's only
1: nine out of the last ten weeks that that's been the plot.
2: Uh, After some confusion on the radio, Kirk beams down to the mine entrance with Spock rather than directly to the cloud city of Stratos, which is the uh, prominent feature on this world.
1: Yeah, man, they in a hurry. They ain't got time to to say hi to the high advisor or whatever.
2: They're in a little bit of a hurry, but when they beam down, they definitely do look up at the painting of the city, <laughs> discuss the tranquility and artistic interest of the city dwellers, and talk about how they have an intellectual and nonviolent society. Yes, box. But they eventually they do notice that the Zeonite is not where they expected it to be, and they get taken captive by some troglite miners.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah.
2: Don't worry though, that doesn't last. They use uh drop kicks and karate chops to break free
1: a straight fucking a- missile drop kick
2: just <laughs> definitely
1: fucking beefs one of these dudes right in the fucking chest.
2: Um <laughs> These guys have very comical garb. yes, they look like an enemy in an early zone in a Final Fantasy game.
1: They got dumb little eye masks on. Like the
2: flavor text on these guys is that they're mechanics or something. Yeah, they got coveralls. You're
1: not wrong. These are uh, grease monkey, double grease monkeys, grease, monk? grease monks,
2: depending on which version. <laughs> yeah,
1: from Final Fantasy VI.
2: Um, and they got um, they got weird. Their mining implements are weird daggers, like they just stab the rocks to get the Zeonite out, I guess. Well, we see later those things come apart pretty easy. They
1: just start squishing them by hand toward the end of the episode. Yeah.
2: It's, a, it's a probably it's basically asbestos, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, anyway, Kirk and Spock are wrestling around with these miners when uh, a couple of robed figures beam in and they straight ice a guy. Mm. And one of them is uh, Plasis, the high advisor of the council. Mm. The... The council on Stratos I forget if the council has a name I don't know He's like the mayor of Cloud City He's the real Lando Calrissian type Sure, he reminded me a lot Anyway, he says um, Hey, welcome, welcome Uh, Don't worry about these troglites They they are violent savages Um, But, you know, usually we keep them under control Right now they've got some disruptors There's just a few of them A few bad apples Anyway, they've uh, probably got your zeonite
1: Right. There's to be clear. They don't have weapons called disruptors. There are some of those dudes that are calling that are themselves th- disruptors who are yeah, they are or,
2: the disruptors. Yeah,
1: they got they're fucking agitators of society or whatever.
2: Right. Uh Places also says that he thinks the only reason that the disruptors agreed to deliver xeonite in the first place was to get valuable hostages hmm. for their movement. Uh and then he takes uh takes the two of these old boys up to Cloud City. He's he's gonna find that he's gonna find that fucking Zeonite for him or whatever. Yeah, just
1: like right. that guy a few weeks ago who was gonna find that other mineral with his robot yeah. friend.
2: Well, also just like that, the, this guy has a daughter. <laughs> she uh, comes in basically nude yep. to uh, say hi to everyone. He says some creepy shit about how she's the finest work of art on the planet. Yeah, and uh, and then starts to take him, you know, on a tour of the art gallery. But hey, there's one of those disruptor digging implements stuck in the wall. Um, Kirk is mildly interested, maybe, in this. What he really cares about is he needs the Zeonite, and these uh, Ardanans have a goddamn treaty obligation to provide it. And he's going to make threats about it.
1: Yeah, they seem to be able to tell instinctively between the two of them this week, sometimes the three of them if McCoy's there, who is going to flirt. Who's right. gonna do the flirting? So I think as soon as she walked in, Kirk's like, "Oh, check this out!" And then he saw Spock, and he went, "Oh no, this is Spock's. This is Spock's uh, week. Is, uh, Spock got dibs on this
2: one." Yeah. Uh, speaking of Spock, at this point he pipes up and says that they're all they're tired. Mm-hmm. That he's tired. So <laughs> it was, a, it was place, a very long beam from the Enterprise. Yeah, I guess so, huh? This is just—it's weird. Spock's never—I don't know if he's ever been tired. Sure, we know that he didn't sleep for weeks when he was trying to uh, calculate.
1: When they were following that asteroid, or, or when, they, the were, asteroid yeah, when was they were following being,
2: them? yes, exactly. When they were leap backing away from the asteroid at exactly the same speed, and he was uh, trying to figure out the key Rock episode uh, we Kirk, always talk Kirk about. Enterprise. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, it turned out it was music. Yep. Uh, so they take him to some to their quarters. Um, while that's happening, uh, places and his daughter Droxine. Yeah. Uh, talk about the disruptors and uh, also they talk about how she's uh, got kind of a crush on Spock and uh, at this point they march a troglide in and he was traveling without papers yeah and uh, of course Places thinks he's Places Places I forget how it's said Places hmm. thinks he's one of the disruptors and he's going to have him secured to the rostrum, whatever that means. But instead, the guy fucking jumps over a non-OSHA-approved railing straight to his death.
1: Yeah, we assume straight to his death. If this was Star Wars, I say again, we wouldn't... We'd, we can't say. Oh,
2: yeah, it's true. He could be hanging onto a little antenna right down there uh-huh. at the bottom, or... He did get cut in half, but now he's got robot legs. But no big deal, no big deal. He doesn't need that half. Maybe he escaped from the Sarlacc pit. Whatever. Maybe someone
1: has been keeping him uh, hooked up to a big crane mechanism for years. You know, so he can complete his evil plan.
2: Who knows? Uh, But this is Star Trek, and also this guy didn't even have a name. so (laughs)
1: Mm. He's probably dead. Uh,
2: Then we cut to the, the quarters that have been prepared for them, where Kirk is asleep. Mm. And Spock is sitting in a chair and we suddenly hear his thoughts and he does a little thought monologue about the disparity between the haves and the have nots here on Ardana. And also about the pure and lovely Droxine. It's a real
1: dear diary.
2: Yeah. And uh oh, one of the one trollights who attacked them on the surface was a woman, and Spock's like If she knew about the misery of this girl, could she still leave live her peaceful life of contemplation it's real yeah um,
1: it was like a monologue they took out of a novelization of this episode
2: yeah that Spock would have been doing in that novel anyway he hears something and gets up and goes into another room and Droxine is there pouring drinks and then we see a brunette like peer in on this conversation and sneak by it and into the room where Kirk is sleeping Mm. and even though she's dressed like uh, one of these uh, Cloud City people she does pull out one of those troglite daggers and goes to shank him. Uh, but anyway, Kirk's not fucking new to this game. It turns out he was awake all along and he disarms her. And he's like, uh, hey, I know you. You were the lead disruptor down on the planet. I
1: might have kicked you.
2: And then he tells her uh, he likes pinning her to the bed like a nasty old creep. Um <laughs> And uh, although she promises to answer questions, as soon as he lets her up, she goes right for that fucking dagger. Well, he
1: just put it on the fucking table next to them. (laughs) He didn't even try to secure it.
2: He really, I think he really thought that that threat of sexual violence was going to get her motor running. And (laughs) he had already had her seduced, but he was not correct.
1: No, She immediately went for it.
2: Yeah, she went for it right away. Um, Spock is interrupted in his wooing by a call from Kirk, who I guess knows he's nearby. Or I don't know, whatever. He, uh, Spock and Droxine enter the room, and Droxine recognizes the woman as Vanna, mm-hmm. a former servant of her father's house. It turns out that Vana believes Enterprise is there to intimidate the Troglites because she doesn't think a starship would just come to pick up cargo because she hasn't seen Star Trek.
1: Yeah, she ain't seen that episode with Finn.
2: Yeah. There's uh, like a million episodes high where we, this is true, exactly true.
1: It took me a while, sorry. <laughs>
2: um, but she doesn't know that one of the main missions a starship can be on, mm-hmm. at least in TOS and TNG, is picking up something to take to a planet that has a plague. Yes, that's I it's mean, like basically the main thing.
1: I'm. I was actually really scared when DS Nine got the Defiant because I was sure that's what they were going to be up to the rest of time.
2: I mean, it should have happened by now, right? Yeah. I guess they just send people to the <laughs> to do, <laughs> Gamma Quadrant yes. to do scientific surveys.
1: Meaningless surveys in the uh, in the Gamma yeah. Quadrant.
2: That's more their, their bit. Um, anyway, Droxine spouts some real racist trash at her about how troglites can't live in Stratos because they're dumb and crude. Right. And uh, that... Uh, That makes Spock go soft. It's pretty clear. Yep. Uh, Kirk wants to know what the fucking deal is here. (sighs) Placis uh, starts doing a nasty ray torture on Vana. And she's screaming, Kirk and Spock come running and say, hey, knock that off. You're a member of the actual Federation. No more torture. Also, like that's one of the basic rules.
1: Also, last time you put us near the elevator and this time you put us right next to the torture machine. And we're (laughs) trying to get some sleep, but all I can hear is the torture.
2: Did you not hear when Spock said we were tired?
1: Like, seriously, how are we supposed to get any rest with this kind of racket going on? They seriously ran four feet from their quarters.
2: Yeah, oh, he torture definitely device. tortured her immediately outside their room. Pretty ridiculous. Um, So, Kirk and Plastus shout at each other for a while, and Plastus orders them to go back to the ship, and I guess they have to, because they beam out.
1: Yep. And well, he tells
2: them he's going to call their bosses. He does say <laughs> he's, he's a real fucker. Call their boss. Yeah, he's he, exactly.
1: See, if the Commodore likes to this, I'm going to tell him you guys are in my business. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um. Also, by the way, he tells his Sentinels, who are... Also, who are trained troglites, to kill Kirk if he appears again.
1: Yeah, that's pretty Which, serious.
2: What's, how's he going to... What's that report going to look like? <laughs> right. Anyway, I told him uh, to leave, and then he came back, so I had him killed. <laughs> Hold on, what? You know we got laws and stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, Kirk hangs out up in space for about eight hours, and then he sends a report to Starfleet, saying he doesn't think Plastus is going to be able to get the Zeonite and he's going to go down and negotiate with the Troglites for it. At this point, McCoy appears in the episode. Oh, okay. And he says, hey, I've been doing some uh, cool 19th century racialism. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Anyway, the Troglites are 20% less mentally capable than the Stratos dwellers. And Kirk and Spock look at him like, you idiot. They're the same. (laughs) They're the same species. That's not possible. And McCoy says, yeah, wait a minute, I let off with the racist stuff. Yeah, I should have led
1: with the other, here, I'll I'll correct myself now. My
2: bad, I understand why you guys are giving me that look. It (laughs) does turn out that the zeonite ore down in the mines emits a gas that makes people stupid and insane. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. The effect wears off over time, and uh, all you guys need is one of them uh, coronavirus masks, (laughs) and it's covered. So Kirk calls Placis and says, Hey, I've got some big news that's going to turn your whole society upside down. Hmm. And um, I want to go talk to uh, Vana and try and get the zeonite from her in exchange for some of these good masks. And Placis says, Get the fuck out of here. That's right. Are
1: you, are you serious? How dare you presume to tell me that those people are as smart as us?
2: My daughter gets to walk around basically nude because those people mine down there. That's right. I'm not changing a thing. Yep. Uh, so Kirk just beams down anyway, and he tells her about the masks, and she she agrees verbally to trust Kirk and to take him to the place where the xenite is hidden. So Kirk busts her out of there. Mm-hmm. They zap a sentinel, and like. They take his papers and they go down to the mines that way. Kirk beamed in. Yep. So I, I don't know.
1: I have notes about um, whether it was necessary to stun that guy like that.
2: Yeah, it didn't. It doesn't <laughs> seem like it was. Anyway, they get down into the mines uh, and they get to like a blind passage or something. And she does a, three special taps on a rock, and a bunch of the other disruptors pop out and they take Kirk hostage cause she tricked him again yeah. and he's dumb.
1: Yeah, he's the one who's been smelling that fucking dust or whatever.
2: Well, he is now because she takes away his mask and has him dig. So, he's digging the shit with the bare hands as Vana and this other guy, I guess his name is Midro. I, <laughs> I think I wrote that down. <laughs> yep. Argue about what to do with Kirk. He just wants to straight kill him, but she wins the argument for the min- for a minute and uh, as soon as the guy leaves, Kirk disarms her again. So, it's just like it's just a lot of dumb back and forth that's because they got 50 minutes to kill anyway he sets his phaser to uh, seal the cavern but don't kill us and uh, locks him in the little room and uh, we get a little side scene where Droxine is worried about whether Spock will come back to visit her or whatever meanwhile Kirk uh, has called Spock and told him hey you beam Placis down here right away. Mm. So as soon as uh, Droxine leaves the room, uh, Placis gets beamed down.
1: Yeah, and speaking of 50 minutes to kill, we get a whole lot of dialogue on the ship between him and Scotty about whether or not to beam the guy down.
2: Oh, yeah, it's a whole it's a whole tense back and forth thing. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then, then when we cut down to where he's been beamed to, an hour has passed. So yep. <laughs> they really are making some interesting pacing decisions. Yes. Uh, Kirk has grown pretty manic down there And he orders Places to dig Zeonite And Vana- and Vana to do the same And he's real curt with Spock on the communicator mm-hmm. And uh, then Places and Kirk agree to fight with knives <laughs> And this is what it takes for Vanna to realize Hey, that gas he was talking about is real Yeah and uh, the two idiot men roll around in the dirt while she seizes the communicator and uh, calls for help. And Spock beams everyone up.
1: Yes. Uh,
2: then I guess there's a bunch of stuff we don't see, but in the council chamber, uh, Spock and Droxine try to come up with, a, you know, a cool name for the new masks, do some brand work. She uh, she likes the name protectors for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vana and Plossus are arguing about their the radical change that Kirk is imposing on their society sure the Xeonite gets delivered Droxine uh, announces that she's going to go live in the mines for a little while just you know kick around Europe yeah and, she's going to uh, backpack Kirk- a little bit yeah and Kirk and Spock beam up to go deliver that xeonite
1: yeah you didn't mention that when they do beam them all back up Kirk and that guy still fight on the transporter pad
2: oh yeah well again <laughs> the gas doesn't wear off immediately no, they still want to fight a bit yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's really good stuff.
2: Uh, Matt, what's this one? Uh, well, at least it was
1: clear what this was about. Hey, did you know that the upper class is, like, built on the backs of the lower classes? And that, like, they can't even fucking comprehend what life is like for those below. In fact, the separation of the classes leads to, like, racism and other real basic bigotries.
2: Yeah. I did know that. Oh, okay. Um, But, you know... Maybe in the 60s you didn't want to know that.
1: Yeah, um, the only reason it doesn't get more points from me is because even people in the late 60s must have at least encountered this concept plenty of times, even yeah. if it was true of society then and is possibly more true now.
2: I bet there were lots of people who were still talking about how uh, blacks had lower IQs and stuff. I bet it was a pretty big topic of conversation in certain parts of the country.
1: And that's why I gave it an 8. <laughs>
2: Hey, I don't, I don't disagree. I gave it a seven. Um, I think that one of the things that this episode does a good job of highlighting is that the um, the causes of violence are environmental. Yep, and that violence is used by the privileged to justify segregation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, yeah, take take notes, with- Bloomberg. Nothing wrong with, no kidding, nothing wrong with the, uh, he sent a, an election mailer to Katie last week, and <laughs> I sent her a picture of it, it came to my house, I sent her a picture of it saying, do you want me to shred this? And she said, uh, burn it please, so I just <laughs> burned it outside. Um, the, so this the take gets a little bit buried under a ticking clock. And mm-hmm. an impossibly fast acting gas. But I think they hit most of the talking points. Like Spock points out, Hey, you guys are all the same species. Mm-hmm. You pr- Like you probably all have the same capacity. Don't be weird about it. And everyone immediately zeros in on the injustice at the root of the issue. I think it just loses a point or two because McCoy just comes in and says, nah, they really are 20% dumber though.
1: I know it was kind of, well, there's some other bad stuff about it. The execution is yeah, an issue. <clears throat>
2: But I, I think that uh, that's that's why I gave it a seven and not higher. But uh, hey, hey, TOS, you did a take. I know. Isn't this
1: great? I was so happy. I mean, 10 minutes in, I was like, oh, I know what this is about. And then I was afraid the rest of the time that they were going to do something else. <laughs> that it was, that it was become... just that Kirk
2: and Spock were just going to side with the Cloud City <laughs> yes, people. <laughs>
1: that it was going to become something <laughs> terrible that I wasn't looking forward to. So.
2: Could have happened. They've had some pretty regressive political episodes this year.
1: Yeah uh well how did it execute then oh we should say we don't have ben's notes so
2: yeah uh so uh a little i liked it a little less well uh i don't think we've ever heard spock's inner monologue and it's way late in the series to introduce Start this device that. yeah the only similar thing i could think of was kirk does a voiceover in that uh kirak episode rock yeah yeah um the uh, the love story between Droxine and Spock is pretty dumb. Mm. It doesn't seem like it's rooted in anything. Like, uh, she just likes an alien.
1: Yeah, she's got a thing for aliens, and he and likes he, that she's nude.
2: He thinks she's pretty. I think that's literally it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also... One thing I didn't love is that the... There's a real sense that any change that's going to happen in this society has to be forced on it from outside. Yeah. And I don't know what the analog for that is in our world. Yeah, I Like, don't who's going to be Kirk in this one?
1: That's a good question. Also, whether or not, well, look, in real life you tell people to do shit in other countries all the time and they just look at you like eat shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the moral authority doesn't really get you very far when you're dealing with other nation states. So, it's, it is yes, it is hard to imagine in real life.
2: Uh, also, Kirk's a little bit of a creep, and uh, Placis is way too into his daughter yeah. in a very familiar way. Yes.
1: This is, and... uh,
2: she's like my daughter who I kiss sometimes. No big deal. And it's, um, I find it very hard to understand how these guys became Federation members. Like, was it early? Before there was a lot of checking up going on and the f- they just needed bodies to fill that arena that we saw <laughs> in Enterprise.
1: Yeah, honestly, they showed up with a really sick resume that nobody
2: did any checking on. <laughs> yeah. It must be well. was You've It in evolved TOS? a
1: society of art and and uh great thinkers, and then they just Wasn't didn't say in- anything about the miners.
2: Was it in TOS or TNG where someone was at, trying to get into the Federation, but they, yeah, Kirk was going to be the first person to ever beam down, right? Yes, they, because... So, I guess they wouldn't necessarily have had to have been that early members in the Federation, because apparently the Federation's still taking basically anybody with no checking up.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, having said all of that, and with the other pacing issues, uh, I still gave it four points. Um, I was a little bit lower. I have it as a two.
1: Uh, I said, unfortunately, most things about this episode are poorly executed. Really insultingly, they come up with the great idea to give the Troglites a cool mask that will allow them to keep <laughs> on mining forever. Yes. Not anything that will actually like cause any greater equality. They're still going to have to fight for it tooth and nail. Like They'll just be less crazed.
2: Yeah, like maybe they'll be better able to advocate on their own behalf once they're not dumber and angrier. But it's
1: like they can't even get to the Cloud City unless the Cloud City people let them in, and then the Cloud City people are real shits. So I don't know what that's going to do for them, except, again, maybe make them more productive slaves. But Yep. uh, Anyway, that's his great solution, and um, everybody just agrees to not hold any grudges, despite the crazy conflict they just had do you remember that scene at the end
2: where uh where kirk and Placis are still arguing about who's gonna put what in what report mm-hmm. and and then vana from over in the corner goes hey maybe forget everything and they just agree and to they both it.
1: agree even though she tried to kill kirk several times and she's also the arch nemesis of this guy the plasus guy and they both just go yeah okay that's reasonable uh, this lady just straight talking out loud about how much she wants to fuck Spock after their 35 second intro conversation. Yeah. And um,
2: don't worry, there's a lady for Kirk, too. Nobody's left out. Yeah, she and her dad have a real open relationship where she's just like, you know, it's exactly the same thing as last week mm-hmm. where the row and the robot was that just last week. Maybe it was the week before. I don't know. Yeah, two weeks before. Rick went for Methuselah when the robot girl is like, I don't know, I'm kind of, I kind of want to see these guys. I kind of want to hang out with these guys for a minute. Yeah, and don't her, tell me they, I can't and hang dance out with like, them. all right, this, I could use this to my advantage. I'm weird. <laughs> I'll, I'll let this guy be the teaser
1: horse. Thank yeah. you, Shannon. Um, uh, it was all very gross, but the filmmaking was fine. I liked that where they were intercutting the scenes with Spock and his lady and Kirk and his lady. Because they were having different conversations based on what was going on in their societies. Um, anyway, just a two for me, it was mostly gross. World building? Uh, let's see. Botanical plague, killing all vegetation on Ardana. And like you said, the, what the fuck is the name of the thing they're coming to get? Zeonite. Zeonite. The zeonite is the one substance that can halt the plague. Uh, it emits a gas that makes people stone dummies and jerks place has got a cloud city, art and intellectual pursuits are their primary purpose there, but down below, guess what? They savages. Why does Kirk have to come down to do this material exchange himself? It's
2: a very it's a very odd question. Uh, he and Spock go down there, not no red shirts or anything. Like at the end when they got some uh clay pots or whatever that come up from the mines. I forget what they come up in. It's just those rocks that have been pulled out of them. Yeah, they come up in like cylinders. Anything, right. uh, Like, is Kirk, was he going to go down there and look at it and go, oh, that sure is Zeonite. <laughs> yeah, I, think I wouldn't fucking know.
1: Spock might, but uh, I thought that was weird. um Troglite miners, the disruptors, the weird torture rays that they keep fucking startlingly close to the guest quarters.
2: Also pretty close to their museum. They seem proud of it. <laughs> maybe it's a. Frankly, it's kind of like the disintegrator on angel one like hey was that just next door <laughs> yes i think so
1: uh they had prison issue mini dresses in this one yeah they send that lady to prison and put her in a cute little mini
2: um, with like uh greek letters at the top or something it was weird enterprise
1: can uh beam people in and out of those caves Sometimes you get a real artificial plot mechanism where you can't beam oh, into yeah. the caves.
2: Uh, this one must not have had a diamagnetic field. That's right. Uh,
1: but they can't beam people who stand so close together. They can't distinguish between them.
2: I think they didn't want to let anybody know what they were doing, maybe? Maybe. I think they didn't want to do... Yeah, I don't know, maybe. He doesn't have a communic. Who knows what the... They spent so much time talking about it, but obviously I don't understand what the problem was.
1: Yeah, and as we've previously seen, uh, they had to transport someone to their transporter pad and then on to the next destination. They couldn't beam someone directly from one part of the planet to the other. In oh, yeah, t- In TOS, it's
2: a complicated procedure. Uh, uh, even in TNG, we saw this week, uh, that's like a special feature that can be turned off right. in the transporter.
1: Uh, The Federation Bureau of Industrialization. It was a three for me. What did, What did you have?
2: I only had it as a two. I thought the treaty obligations were interesting. Like you, I wrote down Federation Bureau of Industrialization, although...
1: It seemed like he was recommending they talk to them about how to make their
2: society more good. Right. But I don't know what that would look like. Like, are they going to teach these guys to build robots or something? I don't know. It's hard to say. Uh, so I thought it was a, actually a little less world-building than usual. I only gave it a two.
1: Okay. Um, well, always the strength in a show with Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. Characterization.
2: Yeah, Yep, 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 characterization. Uh, we pretty much have classic Kirk here. Nobody catches him off guard. He does get caught off guard a couple of times. <laughs> he does believe her, and then twice she turns on him, yep. I guess. Uh, he sets up a colorful scenario in the mines to persuade people. It's only a mild threat of sexual violence against Vana. <laughs> Um Spock uh, is in being in love is so odd and he ends up just kind of following the story around. Mm-hmm. Like he's just there to talk about how Droxine is beautiful and even her name is beautiful. And she's such a pure and un- untouched creature, et cetera, et cetera. I yeah. was like, I don't know, Spock, do something.
1: You and I were on the same page on that one. I only had one note for Spock.
2: And uh, no one else is in this one. I gave it as many as three points for characterization.
1: I agreed it was a three. Um, Spock and Kirk are both flirts now, I guess. So <laughs> yeah, Spock got to do some this week. Kirk says Duty is a good teacher, but it's never clear that he's learned anything like from week to week, and he actually gets more fucking horny each week. I mean, pretty much. So I don't know what Duty is teaching him. Uh, at one point, Kirk points and shouts at this guy. Torture me, motherfucker! Bring it! <laughs> He's, like, so excited to get this guy to torture him. <laughs> uh, I mean, they really do
2: agree to fight with knives down in the
1: cave. Well, I'm surprised he didn't say to Spock on the communicator, Stay out of this! I'm fighting with knives!
2: Like, he whips his phaser into the cave. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, I'll fight you with knives. Okay, oh, yeah, he throws that thing away. Don't need this anymore.
1: Also, then the other guy
2: attacks him with both knives. <laughs> Yeah, that is true. <laughs> he
1: falls for so many things in this episode. He
2: does kind of get tripped up in this one.
1: <laughs> the guy goes, all right, let's have a knife fight. And Kirk goes, yeah, sure, all right, yeah. And then the guy just attacks him with both of the knives. Um,
2: Kirk finally admits
1: that his diplomacy is inadequate.
2: <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Hasn't always been his problem. Sometimes he can just talk people into shit. Yeah. Um. Usually, uh, usually he has to first say, I won't kill or something, but then he can talk them into
1: something. <laughs> he has to shout, I won't kill!
2: Well, he's punching someone over and over
1: again. Um, Like I said earlier, I don't think he really had to stun that guard. I think he could have <laughs> either quickly beamed out or like hid.
2: I also think that that guy was just bringing her soup or something. It wasn't like... Yeah, he didn't
1: care about what was happening in
2: there. He wasn't going to turn over her cell. They took her clothes and everything.
1: Yeah, he could have just hid and then beamed out 10 seconds after the guy left with her. Um, then he kidnaps the high advisor, which seems wild, but everything that happens between them after that is insane. Um, McCoy admits it's hard for diplomacy to overcome prejudice. So that's something from him. Scotty is jazzed to do a kidnapping. It was just a three for me. Yeah, uh... Scotty was doing that thing when they were talking for very, very long on the bridge about whether the captain meant to immediately beam that guy up. (laughs) Where he is just fucking beaming at the prospect of kidnapping a foreign dignitary.
2: He really is. He's big into it.
1: Favorite part of his job.
2: Uh, Well, as Spock told him, you're going to get to go down there and see the look on his face. So enjoy that. Mm -hmm.
1: And he reports back later that the guy did look pretty upset about it. (laughs) So it's
2: all, all connects. Did you uh? Did you write down any quick headers for this?
1: Uh, one thing I'm gonna miss about TOS is this planet Hell set that they use every week.
2: I mean, it's magical. The sky's a different color. Mm-hmm. The rocks are very, very styrofoamy.
1: Yeah, sometimes they're in different formations than the previous week. Yeah. Uh, Shat stunt double straight gave this fucker a double jump kick, and it was a terrible stunt double as usual. Yeah. I immediately recognized this high advisor as the guy who speaks for the shadows on Zaha Doom in Babylon 5. Oh, shit. Instantly, as soon as he opened his mouth, he's got a real dumb nerd voice. And I went, oh, shit, this guy's the old man in Babylon 5. Uh, Again, Kirk just leaves the knife by the bed. So, of course, she grabs it and tries to stab (laughs) him again. that was a cool city model that they were looking at. Of that Cloud City.
2: Uh, Yeah, the remastered one's real good, huh?
1: Yeah. Um, That was it for me on Quick Eaters.
2: When we come back from the credits, Kirk says, who are you? What is the meaning of this attack? But uh, his lips don't even move. (laughs) It's just a clear dub.
1: Just ADR the shit out of it.
2: Yeah, apparently they just forgot to film that. Like, it was in the script, and her line is in response to that. They just missed it, and he had to ADR that one in there. That's fun. In case you were wondering what we were supposed to think when uh, mostly naked Droxine shows up, the camera cuts to Kirk, and he gives a a little approving nod. Just like a little quick nod. Oh,
1: they don't
2: wear shirts here. That's amazing. All right. Belly buttons again, huh? Mm Mm-hmm. The uh, the troglite that jumps to his death looks like one of those old time porno guys or like an American Fabio. He had a real porno face. <laughs> Good. You I know what I mean. Like real square jawed, but like I don't know. Well,
1: that'd be a great outfit for a sci fi
2: porno. Yeah, I mean, you just need some coveralls and a weird mask that doesn't even have to fit right. Yep,
1: that's I think, and you could do it on any porno budget. You could make that outfit. Yeah, for sure.
2: Uh, hey, does being horny make Spock sad, or is he just bummed out about politics? I couldn't
1: tell. He's like all of us in 2020. He's just looking around like, ah, fucking society. Look at these people. God damn it's it. It's not
2: an efficient leadership. He makes sure we all know. Yes. Uh, And then Uh, Van- Vana also didn't notice that Kirk just beamed in there and thinks they're going to need that transport pass to leave the city, so I guess she must have been breathing that gas lately. Mm-hmm. I still gave Best Actor to Tricky-ass Vana. She tricks Kirk so many times. Yeah. And Worst Actor to Droxine. She doesn't really have a lot to work with in this one, but uh, especially because you know she's got to be, like, sucking it in full time.
1: Oh, yeah. How does she
2: not, like, just fucking pass out? They probably did real brief takes with her. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but still. Still Worst Actor, I think. Oh, yeah. She sucked. Hey, fourth place last week was Voyager. Mm. This week we watched Year of Hell Part 2. Play that theme! I missed it. I guess before you read it, I should say we decided to change it up a little bit and just, uh, just put a clip in for whichever episode finished last and the reason for that is because otherwise we would never get to hear the voyager theme again it's
1: literally it's going to be in last place forever so it's
2: it's basically it'd have to outscore enterprise by 10 points an episode to catch it before enterprise goes off the air <laughs> and at right. that point it's going to be behind ds9 and tng so yeah through this on, way we
1: can at least hear the voyager theme every once in a while yes
2: every once in a while when voyager's not the worst episode of the week we'll get to hear the uh, we'll get to hear the theme which is important because it's the
1: best part of voyager It really is. (laughs) Like, now that you've heard that clip, it's all downhill from here. All right, we're picking up Year of Hell Part 2. Red Foreman's Revenge, whatever. Day 133. Things suck real bad now. Yeah. (laughs) Space pirates like Archer are always after Voyager for spare parts. They're hiding in some nebula now. Harry and Janeway are doing some gas mask-assisted repairs that mess them up a bit. Janeway's on some real suicide mission shit and is like, who needs lungs? Big fucking deal. Anyway, it's Janeway and seven other people. That's the crew now. Meanwhile, Anorax, that's Red Foreman, and Chaco have a chat about how shitty Tom Paris is. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Then Anorax shows off his trophies of all the places he zapped out of existence. He uh, offers Uh, to Chaco and TP, to help Voyager achieve restoration. Uh, Like, send them back to the way they used to be, in exchange for some help from Chaco. Not sure why. My odds are, at this point in the episode, are it's a scheme. But anyway, Chaco seems like he's pretty into it.
2: It feels at this point like it was a scheme, like he wanted to find out where Voyager had been and what they'd done so mm-hmm. he could just erase Voyager from history somehow. Or, And then when Chaco agrees, it seems like he's playing
1: a scheme. But no, we will find out later. They're both quite earnest.
2: Yeah, they're both playing it 100% <laughs> straight in a very frustrating way that makes most of it not make sense. <laughs> That's
1: right. Uh, Chaco says he'll help... Um... And I even wrote here, but uh, anybody who's watching this would be able to tell he's faking. Or maybe he's not faking? Anyway.
2: God, that it turned out he wasn't. (laughs) Listen, I felt the exact same way. This must be a scheme. He's going to try to learn about this thing and use it against him. But uh, nah, that's not what happened.
1: Back to the small crew of Voyager who all have protein shakes together. Because I guess nobody needs to be on duty when there's only (laughs) fucking eight crew members.
2: Well, also they're just floating in a Class 9 nebula.
1: Yep. Janeway says they're going to leave the Nebula and they're going to go find some allies and they're going to fight this Anorax guy. Seven calls bullshit on that plan, but Tuvok tells her the captain is always right.
2: Yeah. um, wonder when he started to think that. Sometime after he did a betrayal. Sometime after the big betrayal.
1: Maybe yeah. sometime after he mind-melded with a serial killer. I don't know. Tuvok's been through some stuff. <laughs> Chako and Anorax have uh, fun learning about temporal mechanics, and generally they bro down exactly as we predicted they would last week. Um, Anorax tells him about his dumb backstory and how he accidentally fucked it big time, and he's been trying to <laughs> fix it ever since. Day 180. Voyager's getting rocked by, um, well, tiny rocks. When Janeway goes down to the extremely hazardous deflector control room, it's a big fire now.
2: That's a bad place, man. That's where Kirk bought it.
1: No one said to her, you're going to go to the fire room? Yeah. Don't go there. Uh, But because she's now suicide Janeway, she just kind of runs in and somehow fixes the deflectors despite the giant fire. Uh, Now she's some kind of ground beef monster, but I guess she's going to live. The doctor tells her he thinks she's got crazy PTSD or whatever, and he's going to relieve her of duty, and she threatens to turn him off. He does relieve her of command, and she just goes, so? And walks out. Day 207, Janeway and Neelix are making rounds, and then uh, they get to Chaco's old quarters. She finds the old watch that he gave her last week. Um, yep. She had previously told him to recycle it, but I guess he didn't want to. Uh, so I guess she feels
2: feelings about Chaco. Anyway. Obrist. It's not clear. She suddenly starts wearing the watch like a weird pirate, mm-hmm. and... Uh, I I didn't I had no idea what purpose any of that served.
1: Uh, Obrist, that's uh, that's Anorax's lieutenant, and TP are bonding over space checkers. And TP goes to Chaco and tells him he's got a good plan. The crew, including Obrist, they're all ready for this to end. Um, <laughs> he can get them to turn on Anorax. Uh, Chaco tells him not to do anything. My friend is Anorax. Anorax is my friend. You leave my friend Anorax alone. Um, he and TP look like they're about to take swings at one another when uh, they Anarax does another incursion, because he's figured out if he wipes out another different civilization, he'll get the restoration he's looking for. Chaco asks him not to, but uh, he does the deed. Um, Anarax admits he lost his wife, and that's why he'll never stop until the colony on Keanu Prime is restored. Chaco finally agrees with TP that it's commando time. Uh, I guess they're going to send a message to Janeway so she can assist from her side and they're going to turn off the dumb temporal shielding or turn off the core. I don't know what the hell they're going to do. Something dumb on something the Something with
2: the temporal core and the temporal shielding. Okay. Day 226.
1: Yeah, Janeway has made an alliance with some aliens to fight Anoraks. <laughs> two I,
2: different kinds of aliens.
1: They don't talk about how or why. Uh, anyway, they're all going to fight Anorax per TP's secret message. Um, she's going to pilot. A Voyager, and probably die heroically while the rest of her crew goes and uh, sits on the other alien ships. She says goodbye to Tuvork and it's mission time, but then, day 257. Yeah! <laughs> 31
2: days! Wait,
1: she made everyone leave the ship, and then a yeah. month later they find the weapon? Okay!
2: Yeah. They had to go 20 light years or something. Anyway,
1: game uh, time Also, started. by the way, I
2: guess Anorax was just sitting still in space for 30 days. <laughs> they definitely knew where to find him. Just sulking because he didn't get Kiana Prime restored.
1: This is the part where I sent you that clip of game time started. Oh, yeah. Um, Anorax is some of Janeway's buddies, those new alien allies who we don't know anything about, uh, while TP tries to take down the fucking shields or whatever he's doing. But eventually, Obrist is the one who deactivates the temporal core and transports Chaco and TP out, uh, back onto Voyager, I guess. No, but onto the alien ship. Yes. Uh, lots of shooting, Voyager gets blowed up real good, Janeway does exactly what you'd predict and rams Anorax with her last act, but uh, first she tells everyone to take down their temporal shield so everything's restored as it should be, maybe?
2: Just as Janeway somehow guessed. hmm Then she says, Time's, Time's up!
1: I think it's exactly what Picard said to Ruwafo in Insurrection. <laughs> Probably. Anyway, <laughs> doesn't matter.
2: Man, fuck you for remembering Ruwafo. <laughs>
1: Um, anyway, she does the ramming thing. Anorax has... What's the
2: name of Picard's clone in Nemesis? Uh,
1: Shinzon. Shinzon, yes, yeah, you got that one. Um, Anorax has time to watch that weird lock of hair fall over and shatter in slow motion. And then it's uh, back at day one. And everything is just as it was before, opening up the new astrometrics lab. A uh, Krenum ship shows up, but this time the guy is only, like, maybe a little bit of a jerk. Even kind of helpful. And uh, lets them go about their business. Meanwhile, Anorax is hard at work on his doomsday weapon again. But this time, even though everything is the same as it was before, I guess, <laughs> he gets up and hangs out with his wife.
2: But well, like, Also, Janeway doesn't tell these guys, ah, your guns suck. We're going through anyway. So <laughs> I don't know what happened, but something's different.
1: Something's different. But like this will maybe happen again as it zooms in on all of his work. I don't know. You tell me. Tell me what this episode was and then tell me your thoughts about this episode.
2: Uh, I mean, I just landed on obsession is ultimately self-defeating. Yeah. Nobody tried telling Anorax or Janeway that they were being a bunch of Ahabs. That worked on Picard. So we'll never know if it could have been stopped. Yeah, they needed a cool
1: outsider to come on board and tell her.
2: Yeah, yeah. it could have just been Lily. This episode already didn't make sense. Why not bring her in? <laughs> she just pops up there. Hey, uh, I don't know if in the real world I've already given this speech in the movie. <laughs> I forget what years everything right. came out, but you're doing Moby Dick, which I have not read. I haven't I read should it. Have, I should have read it after the last time I gave this speech.
1: But I swear before the third time I give it, I will, I'll crack it. I'll finally get this thing. I don't know if I'll finish it, but I'll get into so- it
2: anyway if you don't marshal your obsessions you're gonna destroy yourself that's fine i gave it a four whatever
1: yeah we're in the same territory i have it as a three with obsession and arrogance are dangerous which is a big no shit that's no shit
2: um, <laughs> it really is i guess those are the like, things that janeway and Anarax have in common whatever if you can if you can just Call someone Captain Ahab making reference to a nineteenth century novel mm-hmm. and everyone gets the shorthand. Yes. It's an old take. Oh, they're This That's what's yeah. happening. Yeah. Oh shit, I've been ahabbing all <laughs> along.
1: Um I'll just I'll just jump into execution here. Oh, please do. Anorax is dumb and he's a baby. <laughs> which means he's kind of a bad villain. The Janeway stuff's like It could be... They they could have done good Janeway stuff. You kind of get what they're going for, that she's haunted or whatever. Right. But it's so overwrought and then also underexplained. Chaco isn't just boring now like he used to be. He stinks like bad eggs. (laughs) No kidding. He's just like, yeah, this is my buddy Anorex. We're buddies now. He's teaching me all about (laughs) temporal fucking warfare.
2: This guy became Chakotay's new dad. (laughs) Uh, Wild. Well, hold on. Let's see. He He knew before he he beamed on board the guy was pure evil. He shaves that guy's mustache off on day 133, (laughs) and by day 161, Anorax is definitely his new dad. So it didn't even take a whole month. It's so stupid. God.
1: Everything Anorax says about the technology and his mission makes no sense. We discussed some of it last week.
2: The, and it, by the way, it remains a major problem because they've been doing it for 200 years, but the end of the episode definitely suggests that Anorax is working on the weapon at the same time. Yeah, with his wife. passing through Crenum space. The, like, uh, hold on, what? Also, everything goes. Why? But then how is time passing? What's <laughs> happening? Yes, it's been the main
1: problem all along. He's like, we've been doing this for 200 years. And it's like, wait, but, but then how come Voyager's events are still proceeding in linear fashion? Linear yeah. time.
2: Everything goes back... Is it because you knew you had to refer to this as the year of hell? That's right. So you had to make time pass?
1: Everything goes back to the way it was before Anorax made his weapon, except obviously not, because then he would have invented his weapon 200 years ago again if everything was the same. But don't ask Voyager screenwriters to figure this out for you. They can't even wipe their own asses. Seriously. It's a two for me.
2: Well, buddy, I agree. I also gave it a two. Um... Just like I didn't like it in season one, Deep Space Nine, when Cisco asserted that if they stopped believing <laughs> in was, all those troublemakers, they'd go away. That was so Kirk of him. It was such a Kirk, just like, I figured it out, guys, we're doing this. Right. Uh, I, I also don't like that Janeway has just decided that ramming Anarax's ship will put everything right uh-huh. that once went wrong.
1: Yeah, what if everything stays fucked up the way it is right now?
2: Yeah, what if the temporal core explodes and this is just... This is it now. This is just the universe now. Yeah, whatever he fucking did. The last did. one he did and it's 52% restored or whatever. Yeah, she does... Because he killed killed another race. No research on this. Yeah. Well, she's pretty sure. Yep. Um, also, she's pretty sure that restoring the timeline is like a safe thing to do and like, you know there's she's no way to know for sure that a restored timeline fully restored even involves life on earth right this yeah. guy's been dicking around she doesn't the know which one point, she comes from for sure the whole point of his shit with chakotay with the comet yeah. is like you didn't think about the whole history of the comet mm-hmm. and it's like what if in Anarax's original timeline there was no life on earth but one of his first incursions did something that's what i'm
1: saying she has no way to know which one of his dumb tweaks yeah. was done before she existed or whatever
2: Also, T.P. says that without the temporal shielding, a photon grenade could blow up the core. But no one carries out that plan. For some reason, it has to be done from outside by Janeway. Yeah. Also,
1: his whole plan is to take down the shields, but he doesn't do anything.
2: No, he doesn't do one goddamn thing. Obris does it all. It's really weird. T.P. is the third most useful out of three people (laughs) in this plot to defeat Anorak. (laughs) That's right. Um worst of all somehow restoring time did change Janeway and Anorax. she's not a full pirate he's gonna make time with his wife it's not remotely explained how that happened yeah. or whether Anorax is now living in our time or it was a flashback to the past and again it's, it's kind of just a nightmare it's like I just I know I just said it but like if everything was set back
1: what would change to make him not do the same thing yeah why what? how what what happened <laughs>
2: Why does he now realize that he should have spent more time with his wife and less time working on his diabolical <laughs> his, his super
1: doomsday weapons? weapon? <laughs> I was gonna work on the doomsday weapon, but you're right. We should go. We should go hang out a little bit. <sighs> sorry.
2: <sighs> anyway, two.
1: Yeah, it's not good. But um, the only reason,
2: by the way, the only reason I didn't
1: give it one or zero is because, despite everything, it messes up. It's slightly entertaining.
2: Yeah, we, you know what it is? It gets two points for Kurtwood Smith, basically. It could be it. <laughs> like, he basically acts the two the two execution points into this fucking thing. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, I was not able to award any points for world building. You gave it a fat zero. I gave it a, exactly a zero. There's a couple of reasons for this. One, it's a full reset. Yeah. Nothing that happens in this episode happened.
1: Yep. Exactly
2: but two, except for the couple of things that changed that are not explained in any way. Exactly, yes. It's like, it didn't even do that good. No. It's very bad. It's extremely bad. How many points did you give it for world building?
1: I had it at one. I can see the argument for a zero for (laughs) sure. But here's what I had. Class nine nebula.
2: Oh yeah, that's probably still a thing. I
1: hope that's what they'll still call those in this reset timeline.
2: Uh, There's no explanation at all for what that is, and as depicted on the screen, I don't think it's possible, but that's okay.
1: The idiotic backstory of why he's doing these incursions, I guess, includes what his original dumbass mission was, why he developed the technology, and then the whoopsie he did which are all things that I guess you can take to mean that if you fucked around with time, these are things that might happen. But also, none no of the specifics could, matter.
2: No one could think of a good explanation. Like, he wiped out their original enemy. Hold on, I wrote it down. The real The real Yep. But. It, and he was the, so happy. And everyone got a plague. Everyone got a dang old plague because they needed the real Because the real Nar had introduced the antibody? Yeah. What does that mean? How did that happen? They don't know. <laughs> the writers don't know. Couldn't think of anything, huh? Nope. <laughs> Actually, like the Rilnar deflected a comet years ago, I and it turned out that that comet would have wiped I don't know.
1: I did research on this, and the three writers of this episode went to uh, the showrunner, and they said, we, we fucked up. We don't have anything. <laughs> and then he said, "Well, then I have I have to fire you." And no, we got something though. We, uh, you know what? I remembered it. That's an antibody, the real right? Antibody. And he pointed it at the other writer, and the other writer was like, "Oh yeah, the the, the yeah, he yeah, killed yeah. an alien," and um, but the alien had the antibody. That probably is what happened. <sighs> That's it though. It's a one for me.
2: How they do characterization wise? Again, always they one of their strengths. By the way, you made that joke about TOS. Characterization is where they've scored the most points.
1: I have made that joke many times for that show, too. <laughs> it, is,
2: it is true of TOS, TNG, and DS9. Only Voyager and Enterprise don't. Yeah. For them, both in both cases, it's premise.
1: And they're not good at that either. Um, Janeway maybe feels guilty or maybe has no other speed, but she's real suicide after the last few months of bullshit on this ship. Also, she's all kinds of heroic in ways Archer can only dream of. <laughs> uh something with Choco, I don't know what. When she's in his quarters. We, were, we weren't she didn't really act it good enough and they didn't write enough for us to know what.
2: Yeah, like they were going for a show, don't tell, but then they also forgot to show. Mm-hmm. They did don't show or tell. Right.
1: They just said Choco question mark? That was it.
2: She also loves the ship like a woman,
1: maybe even a mother.
2: Oh, also, don't forget that when they arrived at Chakotay's ruined ass quarters, someone—I forget if it was her or Tuvok—someone had to say out loud, "Chakotay's quarters." Yeah, no shit. Yeah, you guys would know that. Why would you say that out loud?
1: Yep. Um, she loves yeah, the ship. Would- she she loves the ship like a mother. She talks about how it's nurtured them and all this shit. Um, they programmed Schmollis. To argue strenuously with the captain about her health, but then to also know when he's been shouted at enough to give in. It's
2: very <laughs> sophisticated programming. Yep, his programming is super sophisticated. He definitely recognizes that he has absolutely no power to enforce <laughs> yep. relieving her of command and give up.
1: Uh, I've wrote this down because I've I had trouble believing it, but Chaco actually wants to work with Anarax. <laughs> How is that not negative character it's a, work?
2: It's a big character flaw, actually. <laughs> it's not
1: good. It's not good when you get beamed over by a guy you know to be pure evil. This guy spent
2: eight minutes with Hitler, and suddenly he was like, I don't know, man, maybe hail Hitler?
1: Hitler's teaching me all these great ideas. I ne- I always needed a good tutor like Hitler.
2: Listen, I know he's done some stuff, but he's troubled? That's
1: right. Yeah, you don't know. He's a thoughtful man? You don't know about what his terrible, all his terrible troubles that were entirely his fault.
2: Um... This guy blows up a whole species and Chakotay, the best Chakotay can manage, is mild disappointment
1: with him, too. That's <laughs> right.
2: You didn't have to do that. And then God. he goes, listen, I know. He, they go into his anorex's uh, office and he goes, listen, I know about your wife. Yep.
1: Ah, you're very perceptive. Is it because I'm always carrying around her hair like a totally sane
2: <laughs> person would do? Well, that also you keep saying, my wife, when you think no one's listening. <laughs>
1: Is my wife back? I mean, the colony. Uh, is that colony back? My wife. Did
2: they say her name, or is it okay if I just imagined her name was Kitty? <laughs> Please call her Kitty.
1: God, how great would that have been if, when she shows up in the end? Oh, uh, first pretty... of all, I would have loved it, <laughs> I would have
2: sure. given, I given more points, for sure. Oh, it just wouldn't have made any sense that he wanted to spend time on that weapon instead of <laughs> hanging out with his fun wife. That's yeah, not a problem. Kitty's true. too fun.
1: And then I wrote again, because I couldn't believe it. TP's less shitty than Chaco now? Yeah. Um, Harry Kim may not say a word in this episode I can't be sure I think I saw him a lot
2: he gets told to go to one of the alien ships I know that
1: I think he does a lot of things where he's gonna say something and then doesn't (laughs) that's really the best use of uh, Garrett Wang
2: well they've decided that in this timeline Seven is special friends with Tuvok so that shuts him right down because
1: he took the hit from that incredibly weak torpedo for her yeah Uh, Tuvok goes along with any old thing Janeway says, um, in this episode, going blind also made Tuvok very whispery. (laughs) Does he think?
2: He can't. Does he think
1: that if you lose your sight, you can't talk?
2: uh, It's a flashbang torpedo that also gives you laryngitis. (laughs) I don't know what, what's confusing about that. The reason
1: I was confused is because last episode he wasn't whispery? Even after he went blind?
2: Uh, listen, he looked at an eclipse, and now he can't see, and he can't talk, and everybody knows, he did with his mouth open, too. Don't show your mouth to an eclipse, either. That's
1: right. Um, Seven speaks up about Janeway being dumb, but is easily talked down from that position. So, just a three for me. You know what? It's a two. Just a two for me. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot Chaco was with Hitler on this one. He's
2: <laughs> Pro-Hitler. Um... Yeah, Chakote is a sensitive boy and he really loves being someone's right-hand man yeah. and he'll do almost anything oh, to the... to be in that position.
1: You're right, that is the dynamic. As soon as it's he the... switched from Janeway, he just became this guy's right-hand exactly. man. Exactly. It's the
2: exact he was so eager to become the new Obrist, just like he wanted to become the new Lieutenant Commander whoever the guy who died yes. in the first episode.
1: You're right, he totally replaced Obrist.
2: <laughs> uh, TP trouble on any ship. Uh, no one asked him to start uh, a mutiny, and frankly, he was probably even surprised that it worked. Oh, yeah. Oh, he, I mean, he, he, knows, he knows that you can threaten to stop playing checkers with someone in order to get let out of your cell. <laughs> right. He learned that. It checker. turns out that checkers has even more possibilities than that.
1: He, um, um, he got really lucky with the timing because he's like, we could, start a, we could start a fucking revolt. And then right then is when Anorax decides to eliminate that other species yeah because chocote was not having it he's like nah we're good don't do anything and then instantly the guy's like all right i and found then, a new person yeah, to eliminate Chakotay
2: says listen i'm in charge here bleh, bleh, <laughs> yeah. temporal incursion in progress he's like oh yeah okay. tp
1: was saved by the bell for sure on that one
2: yeah uh janeway is an insane person right up until she suddenly isn't mm-hmm I don't think Seven and Two Vox relationship is real enough to give points to because, again, it's reset. Oh, yeah. Uh, Bellana and Harry aren't really around. Uh, Shmola seemed normal, though, so I did give it three points total. Yep. <sighs> Quick ones. I, I did actually manage to write down a couple. Go for it. Uh, I am not an astrophysicist. Everyone knows this about me. It is my great shame. I'm pretty certain that a gas as dense as that nebula would collapse under its own gravity and form a star. Like, it's just fucking inundating that ship. Yeah. That's that's how nebulas do.
1: Well, Star Trek writers don't know.
2: Also, don't vape, kids. It's real bad for your lungs. That's right. Uh, Tuvok gives real odd advice considering his history of betraying Janeway.
1: He seems especially like the kind of character that they rewrite every episode. I don't think he has like a con, uh, like a character continuity.
2: Yeah, not a strong one for sure. The, um, the dialogue monster makes Janeway say, Oh, why do I get the feeling that you're testing me, Voyager? And I actually thought that would be appropriate for me to say. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Same. oh, why do I get the feeling that you're testing me, Star Trek Voyager? Mm hmm. In, um, in what world would Neelix still be on Voyager?
1: Yeah, she sent everyone away.
2: Everyone but the senior staff.
1: My Oh dude, the only the only thing could be that she forgot he was even there. So she yeah. gave assignments to literally every other person and then he just showed uh, up you, the next
2: day. You go to lifeboat 8, you <laughs> yeah. go to lifeboat 9, you go to lifeboat 10. And she was in oh, the senior staff is staying behind. The next day Neelix was there and she's like, "Oh, I shit. can't admit she that I forgot her him." And she's like, oh, "I didn't send him to any of these lifeboats." <laughs> Oh, good, Neelix, anyway, you're here as I intended. He's had a yellow uniform for 10 minutes and he gets to stay. Yep. <sighs> Off screen. We don't get to see this. Yeah. Janeway shows up in her battered crap tub of a ship. Oh, With yeah. six people on it. She's a deranged, scarred, dirty lunatic. Uh-huh. And she somehow convinces these people to give her four ships, two different aliens to give her four ships and full command of those ships to the point where she appoints her own people to run them mm. and tells them everybody turn off your temporal shields. we're gonna undo everything yeah. and the temporal shields must have been her only fucking bargaining chip.
1: yeah well I'm I'm surprised she's been able to prove to them that this is even a problem. Because yeah, no so one else knows about these time changes.
2: That all had to happen off screen because there was no way to write that. Where she made this alliance. Would
1: be a, that would be like the middle of Romance of the Three Kingdoms where they spent all that time trying to, con, trying to make that alliance with the Kingdom of Wu. Yeah. It would take like 11 episodes for them to make that work.
2: I. What do these species even know about anoraks?
1: That's what I'm saying. They can't know anything.
2: Like, they're now in a universe where the Krenim are 52% restored or whatever the fuck. Mm. Like, do they just hate the Krenim? There's just no explanation for it. It's very bad. It
1: could be it. Maybe she maybe she didn't tell them anything about time. Maybe yeah. what she said to them was, hey, you know the Krenim? You hate them, right? We're going to go fuck them up. You want to come with us? And then she gave them these shields. She's like, these are the special shields. These will protect you from their weapons. She didn't say nothing about time.
2: yeah that's a good point that's probably what happened anyway at the end uh, Tuvok says live long and prosper to Janeway but she obviously doesn't know the other half of that so she just goes in for a hug that's right she's just like "Ah, uh, Pete come here come here you, to you as well infinitely
1: (laughs) (laughs) just trying to like fucking dap him up
2: I gave Best Actor to Anorax, and for Worst Actor, I wrote the word Insane Way. Good. That's, That's a fun, fun lo- I thought that portmanteau was cute yeah, I when like I wrote me. it.
1: And Now I'm writing it. That's very nice.
2: Um, When
1: does Anorax have time to collect trophies?
2: Uh, he Chuckles and Tom Paris are trophies, right? So he just,
1: what he, he just scans the room and does a quick beam before he shoots them from
2: orbit? Yeah. He's like, give me that wine. Give me that cheese, whatever. And then there's, maybe it's not even the good stuff. He's just beaming up the jug wine. Yeah, whatever like, was in the know. room.
1: Right, exactly. That's
2: what I'm saying.
1: He's like, this was the, the finest wine. I th- I don't know. It's all the same now. Uh, Janeway clearly calls him Anorex at one point. Yeah. <laughs> she don't know.
2: Well, he's only said it once, and then she fucked off out of there. Yeah. She might not remember it. Yeah.
1: Uh, Chaco tells Anorex, we don't destroy everything that gets in our way.
2: Yo, Chaco, who
1: are you fooling? Come on, buddy. What's going on? I've been watching you guys. (laughs) Uh, Janeway's skin burned up real good. 60% of her body was covered in burns, but her- She's gonna have a scar on her arm and on her face. But her clothes seemed totally fine. Yeah. Because it's Star Trek. Yeah. (laughs) That's it. The rest we've already, we've discussed all of it. (sighs)
2: <sighs> mm. It's good to be done with it, huh? Good oh. to be done with Year of Hell. That was the last
1: Voyager? Oh, I am sorry. No. Vo-
2: <laughs> no, I'm sorry. There are more? probably oh, okay. 90 more Voyagers. Cool. 85, 90. It runs real late. Great. Oh, boy. Third place last week was Enterprise. Mm. This week we watched Stormfront Part one I'm sorry. All right. So back to where we ended the last one. Uh, Tripp and Mayweather are in the shuttle. Mayweather recognizes that they're being attacked by P 51s. Uh, they peel off because Enterprise is descending down into flak fire. Meanwhile, the Nazis are carting Archer off to Helgen to be executed mm-hmm. when they start taking fire from some partisans, and Archer escapes. Uh, catches a bullet through the shoulder or in the arm or something. I don't think they really show where that bullet hit him.
1: No. And he's fine soon anyway. It don't matter.
2: Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Back up on the ship, the crew listens to a speech by Winston Churchill and they finally realize that they're in the past. Uh, T-Paul wants to uh, figure out how they got there. That's her first order of business. uh, So they can run right back. But uh, Mayweather has some kind of premonition that they're supposed to be there. And uh, Trip's just mad at her about something. I don't know what.
1: Oh, he tells us why he's mad later. It's very well, stupid.
2: well. Yeah, sure. That is true. It's very stupid um, why he's mad. But also, we see that the hey, our, our old buddy Silic is crawling around the ship, hiding and stuff.
1: Yeah, it's exciting stuff.
2: The uh, the two alien Nazis discuss Archer's escape and that his communicator makes them think that he's a temporal agent. And uh, and then Trip comes into. DePole's office and you know they have a frank discussion about how disappointed they are at being dropped right in the middle of another shit show mm-hmm. when Reed comes in and tells them hey it's not just World War II it's alternate World War II because there's been battles in Virginia and Ohio that don't make no sense
1: guys we're, we're in a we're in an alternate history novel
2: <laughs> sorry the guys worst we landed has in happened. we landed in guns of the south I it's, do apologize it's very bad Flox um, is in sick bay, and a highly disfigured Daniel stumbles in. Yeah, so you know that guy. Yep. Yeah. Archer comes to in the apartment of Alicia Travers, a uh, pretty little colored girl in a pretty safe colored neighborhood. At least it was before the Nazis moved in. Nazis? Anyway, and she's, fucking aliens. She's taking care of him. Uh, she thinks he's from the stricken and sunk carrier enterprise because of his uniform I'll talk about that later uh, she fills him in he's in Brooklyn 1944 and the Nazis are there too and uh, then we cut to uh, the craziest Nazi White House it's so white <laughs> the Nazis painted it 15 times I don't know what they did they it's crazy touched
1: it up a little bit
2: they, they definitely did touch it it's gleaming We got to a gleaming Nazi White White House, and uh, the alien is showing a film strip of a new plasma rifle that you can use to kill tanks to a Nazi general. Uh, The general walks over to a map that shows that the Nazis only have control of the East Coast. He's worried about the materials that the alien needs to make the weapon. By
1: the way, he walks over to... An incredibly well-illustrated, but very static map that they're going
2: to have to replace every time the oh, lines yeah. change. Yeah, for sure. There's a whole drafting department that's going to have to do Every morning is doing a new map for this guy.
1: They most all the time be like, can we just make one map of the United States that doesn't change and we just put markers on? No, we're not going to use markers. No? We're going to. Okay. okay. All, right. all right. New map every day. Okay. Got it.
2: Cool. <laughs> Anyway, he's worried about diverting materials to make this guy's uh, fancy plasma gun because uh they're the Americans are getting ready for a counterattack. They're pretty sure about that. Mm. And uh the alien says, Well, okay, but what about if I gave you a plague that could eliminate all non Aryans? Mm. And now the Nazis back in.
1: Sure, obviously. <sighs>
2: Okay, so Daniels has a day to live. Phlox gives him a day at the outside. He's he's going through some shit. Some of his organs are like 100 years old, and some of them are three weeks old. He's just really, he's been through the time ringer. Mm-hmm. Um, but t Pole's captain now, and she knows that when you're captain, you have to tell him to wake up the patient, even if he's going to die. That's right. She's seen that <laughs> so before. she can talk to him. Right. A uh, couple of mafiosos come busting into Travers' apartment. They tell her the Gestapo's uh, clearing buildings looking for Archer. They got, they got some... Sal! They, they're probably torturing Sal right now! Something like that. Yeah. Uh, They do some tough guy stuff. They don't get anything out of Archer. They try to convince Alicia to leave, but this is her home, so she won't, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Back on the ship. Daniels tells Steeple that the temporal Cold War has hotted up real good. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And she starts explaining the Nazi invasion of America to him. And the best he can do is to cryptically tell her, you have to stop him. But she doesn't know who him is. So and nothing really is accomplished. Thanks, you piece of shit. Uh, Archer and Alicia have dinner and listen to a little jazz. He's wearing her husband's clothes. It's pretty cute. Yeah, it's nice. Um, until he asks her about the alien in the Nazi uniform that he saw.
1: Well, he doesn't know how to do a good date. He, uh, yeah. he ruins it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, she uh, luckily this woman in Brooklyn knows somebody who knows somebody who's heard some rumors. So now Archer has to try and track this guy down. Sure. Uh, Silic approaches Trip in the shuttle, tries to get Trip into a shuttle with him. And they have a fight. And it seems like Silic's a real big bad guy. And he changes his shape to escape Trip and stuns him. And then takes him out of the shuttle bay and leaves in the shuttle. And later Trip wonders why Silic didn't kill him. Mm. And we still don't know because Silic doesn't appear again in this episode, so that's a mystery. I'm so excited for it. Anyway, t shoots the shuttle down. Yes. Um Archer takes some racial abuse from Nazi guards for uh being out and about with a colored lady. Mm. Uh <sighs> sal finally takes him to talk to a kind of disreputable guy named uh praski something like that
1: mm, a Polak of some kind
2: uh, some kind of Pollock, yeah. uh, and he tells him yeah i've been selling information to this guy who keeps his face covered he's got red eyes he seems to be keeping tabs on both the nazis and the americans so i don't know he's playing both sides against the middle or something um the mystery client shows up and sure enough it's an alien
1: yeah, and then the uh, fucking mobster puts a gun on him and he's like, Yo! This Nazi's a wise guy with red <laughs> eyes!
2: Yep, oh! yeah. Sal, Sal puts a bullet through the alien's hand and they get out of him that the uh, the aliens are trapped here and the Germans are helping him to build a conduit back. And But he also lets slip to Archer that Enterprise is in orbit, mm. which Archer did not previously know about. Uh, and but then some Nazis sirens start sounding and the partisans shoot this old alien and Archer runs off with his communicator. Uh, He starts trying to work the communicator. Uh, The Germans ambush them and uh, Sal goes down. Archer and Alicia make a run for it. Meanwhile, Tripp and Mayweather have found the crashed shuttle and planted explosives on it. Silic's nowhere to be seen. Um, so they blow it up but then they get surrounded by Nazis uh, Archer's just about to get shut down when he finally does make contact with Enterprise and they beam uh, him and Alicia up t tells him they've lost Trip and Mayweather Archer tells him to keep looking but he really wants to go talk to Daniels to figure out what the fuck is going on mm. and this time Daniels is a little more helpful and he tells him that uh, the main alien is named Vosk Cool. He's the leader of a race violently opposed to the Temporal Accords and he represents the most dangerous faction in the Temporal Cold War but if Archer can stop Vosk here, stop him from building that conduit, then the whole timeline will be restored and none of this will ever have happened.
1: Oh, like the an Anorax episode. Yeah, basically.
2: Cool. Uh, he tells him that V- Vosk is building the conduit out of 20th century technology so it's going to be just an enormous machine somewhere and this is where we see Tripp and Mayweather get marched into Vosk's office, he threatens them and then he goes and stands at a big picture window and looks at a, a brewery or yep. the bowels of the Enterprise from the J.J. J. Abrams movie yeah. something like that and uh, sure enough the condu- a conduited test is in progress to be continued
1: exciting, this is really exciting this episode. Yeah,
2: yeah, it is. What's it about, though?
1: Uh, uh you know, it's a zero. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What do we say? Evil is drawn to evil? Ugh. I don't know.
2: I, I, okay. I don't know. I thought that maybe, just maybe. Okay you could eke out a take about putting aside small differences like race in the face of genuine threats like the nazi invasion cuz uh you know all of these different types of brooklyn characters get along
1: oh you mean like the mob guys and and a, there's a Polak yeah. and uh, th- yeah. uh yeah, the black a lady a
2: couple of different black people yeah yeah well, maybe I mean, yeah, maybe. Um, but they never make any specific point and, about it.
1: And Silic for some reason ain't, yeah. ain't mad at Trip, but we don't yeah, get anything. We don't
2: know we don't know anything about him, but it yeah. does he definitely took a positive action to not kill Trip. Mm-hmm. So it does seem like maybe that's happening in the other side. Uh but otherwise, like if it's not about that, I don't know what the take is. It's better to be lucky than good. Like Archer accidentally gets freed in an ambush and happens to fall in with a reasonably competent resistance cell. Yeah, dude, that dragon fucking
1: snored out of nowhere and fucking burned everyone alive at Helgen.
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh, Like he lucks into an alien communicator because it happens that someone in this resistance knows one of the five or six aliens on the whole planet. Mm -hmm. He manages to randomly tune that communicator to the frequency Enterprise is listening to. You're right. He is very lucky. He's extremely lucky. Um... I gave it one point for the possible, maybe possible take. Yes. And that's it.
1: I had the one point possible take, evil is drawn to evil, like, well, of course these aliens wanted to work with the Nazis, because they're bad guys, and the Nazis are bad guys. Because, like, couldn't the aliens work with the Americans?
2: This, If there was not, if I did not have the sense that this alien was just saying whatever this Nazi wanted to hear, mm-hmm. maybe... But like when he starts talking about how they're both interested in purity or whatever, yeah. but then really he just needs those materials sure. which clearly are for the conduit and not for the weapons he's telling him he's going to build. Right. It's uh it makes it hard to know what that guy's actual deal
1: but is. But it's like they could have worked with the Americans. What difference does it make to the aliens who they work with, you know? But yep. they chose the Nazis. So I though that was maybe what I could go with, but no, I went with nothing.
2: Nothing. Well, let's let's swing into Execution then Because they had to work With the Nazis And we'll talk about why Okay Um, This episode The action in this episode Is okay And there are Even a couple of Decent emotional beats Okay So as wild trash As this one is There are worse episodes To watch But Daniels Explains nothing Oh That's pretty common For him though Yeah So we have to Extrapolate everything Mm -hmm. It seems like These aliens Are trying to fuck off with the war half one and no one connects the dots like no one explains how this change wins them the temporal Cold War yeah so is it because the Federation is a key player and somehow America needs to win World War 2 for the Federation to form Hmm. and so at this point I was thinking Star Trek talks a lot about a unified earth but it, Star Trek is against the backdrop of American exceptionalism, sure. America as the world superpower. And I think that they didn't even think they'd need to explain to us that if the Nazis took even just the eastern seaboard, right. there's no federation. Like, that's so bad that it, it it's un, unrecoverable. There's never a world government. Everything's different. Mm. They didn't even think they needed to explain that. Sure. Also, I don't think they can explain it because <laughs> no one thought it out, Right, and uh, the new showrunner, Manicota, wanted to wind up the Temporal Cold War as fast as possible. Well, I don't fucking blame him because it's
1: been going on for years, and I still don't understand any of what it is about.
2: Uh, it's inexplicable.
1: Who's in it, what they want, why, what's happening.
2: So at the end of the day, uh, this episode is medium watchable for being like an episode of Quantum Leap. Yeah. But it's utter nonsense. I gave it three points. I also gave it three. It's a pure
1: plot episode, time travel adventures, lots of shooting, no lessons or morals or even much characterization. It's a big what if. Yeah. It moves along fine, has no stakes. This is an even worse kind of episode than we'll name a main cast member, make it through this one alive. Like Star Trek writers might kill a character. They won't kill off the entire Federation in future. Yep. So we're just killing time with the mob and some new alien baddies and waiting for the big time band-aid to repair everything next week. Because, <laughs> I mean, there's 0% chance that any of this is going to stand up. So it's the opposite of stakes. Yep. Um, yeah, it was yeah, just a three for me. Not, uh, like you said, not terrible to watch, but if you have to think critically about it at all, you're just left going, why? Yeah. Uh, world building. Oh, please. Those shuttle pods uh, can still be damaged by flack. Um,
2: yeah, I mean, that does make sense. These guys don't really have shields, right? So, yep,
1: yep. There's no reason they shouldn't be able to, but it did happen. Um, Mayweather recognizes
2: the P-51s. I, re- I would recognize P-51s, but I'm a lot closer to them. I mean, me too. I flag. for sure recognized them last week as being P-51s, but like you said, he's seen them in a museum once. It was like me trying to guess the IL-2 last week. I had to drag it <laughs> way the fuck up out of my memory. Right. Uh, well, uh, this is all temporal Cold War shit, I guess. <clears throat> Wait a minute. Did he say he'd seen one in a museum? Isn't he a boomer? Yeah, which museum? Where the hell did he see a P-51 which during the four years he was on Earth at Starfleet Academy or I whatever?
1: I Maybe he went to... Maybe they still like the USS Hornet. know they wouldn't have a P-51 Star- on that.
2: Starfleet's brand new, right? There's a- he didn't... There's no academy that he went to.
1: Um, In modern day... In modern days, there's an aviation museum on the peninsula. Maybe he, there's still one. Maybe oh, he just he, went to
2: the Hiller Museum. Maybe he went down there. <laughs>
1: um. Anyway, uh, all temporal Cold War shit. Aliens working with Nazis to beat the Allies, so they can go home. Uh, and just telling them they're from the future and shit. <laughs> so like these guys don't care. Uh, turbulence in the time stream. Yeah stealth time travel yep we may have talked about this a couple of years ago but how does Silix body work
2: oh because his whole brain gets uh, his whole head gets all mush <laughs> but he's
1: fine he literally wrote he don't have brains anymore or those can just squish all around
2: he's gotta be an odo right he's some kind of odo. fake because like
1: the the what is he what's his alien race called again Sulaban. The Sulab- Not all the Sulabans can do that stuff. Do- no, they- he's
2: genetically modified, right? Did
1: they genetically modify him into an Odo? I guess so. Because that feels, feels fucking- very different.
2: Fucking weird shadow man said, Okay, first thing, we're going to need a lot of drugs. <laughs>
0: That's
1: right. I don't know, man. I-, I don't understand how you could change him into something like
2: that. But yeah, they did it. Um, it's two for me. Uh, I mean, I gave it as many as a three. Stealth one way time travel The uh, Like we learned something about the temporal cold war Here it is hard to get excited about Anything Daniel says though because If they stop this one guy none of this will end up Happening so yeah It's a tough one Like you can't give it any points for Alternate Nazi stuff oh for sure Like uh, hey there was a Timeline where the Nazis had control of Brooklyn Alright
1: yeah cool
2: Good work Uh, but I'm a four for characterization. Okay. Here's what we learn about Archer. He's very heroic and he's probably not a racist. Or he's busy. Could be a good to think about it. Yes. We have no reason to think he's a racist. Well. He's from the future. We do have
1: reason to think he's a speciesist, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's moved on to bigger and better stuff. Yes, as we've talked about many times. Humanity united so that they could go into space and bully aliens.
2: So... Uh, T-Pole and Trip have a scene where they admit that they have emotions and understand what those emotions are so I don't want to punish them for that Oh, nice Yeah. Oh, Hoshi is real happy to see her, her buddy Jonathan alive They did a lot of work in the previous two <laughs> episodes establishing that these guys are friends Best so friends, best, 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 when, best friends When he shows up on the bridge and she runs over and gives him a big hug it, I did like that
1: it was, a, it was a misdirect, those first three seasons where we were told that Trip and him were best friends It's actually yeah, him and Hoshi
2: That is correct, mm-hmm. yeah uh Daniel's still a shit heel.
1: Yep. Uh I gave it a 4 for characterization. I'm one fewer I gave it a 3. T-Paul still wants to question whether time travel is real despite this whole TV series. <laughs> then she plays it off like, "No, I I just want to figure out how we got here. I'm not saying we're I'm not saying we didn't go through time, but it does it definitely seemed like she was thinking that."
2: I mean, all the, the only evidence that they had is they can't reach Starfleet and someone is broadcasting an old Winston Churchill speech on the radio. It's not exactly 100% compelling.
1: Uh, except, as they say in that scene for the fifty caliber shells they pulled out of the hull or whatever because they kept getting attacked by P-51s. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Trip admits right off the bat that he's much less worried about the crazy time travel and their recently dead captain than he is pissed of, pissed about not getting any vacation. <laughs> he says it. He's like, I thought now that this was done, we could go, and I could get some shore leave, and then I was going to hang out on the beach, and now we're doing this, and that's why I yelled at uh, you.
2: He just wanted a little bit of a wrap-up uh-huh. for all of that shit in The Expanse. Well, I so wanted he it too. right into alternate World War II.
1: I get it. I'm on the same page, but it seemed very unprofessional to be like, I yelled at you earlier because I just want to go on vacation. I'm not worried about the time...
2: I was going to lay on various beaches, various <laughs> different ones.
1: I know time did a whoops, and now everything's wrong. <laughs> All, everything's wrong. But I'm mad about that. Um, Yeah, again, it wasn't much of a characterization episode. So, <sighs> Quick hitters? Just one. Bakula has been keeping up with his fitness. Yep. Looks good when he had his shirt off. Yep. Danny's so. yeah, looks good for his age. Jacked in the aughts.
2: Jacked in the aughts um i got a couple of other points i guess do you think that this nazi general asked these aliens why they speak english (laughs) i would think that would be very concerning for him (laughs) hey the aliens came from the future and they say they want to help us but like they speak english i'm very worried also are they speaking english are they speaking german well, if they're speaking German, why does he have a German accent?
1: Well, this is what I say in every single Star Trek and every other TV show. So the Russians are talking, but they're speaking English with a Russian accent. Is that what are they speaking
2: now? Yeah, it's very confusing. Yeah. Hey, uh hey, Alicia knows that Enterprise was a carrier that sunk in the war mm. and she thinks that Archer's a sailor because she sees the word Enterprise on Archer's patch on his uniform. What does she think about the weird ship that's depicted right over the word Enterprise? You know, the spaceship on his uniform? Yeah, well,
1: I guess maybe she wouldn't recognize it as a spaceship, but I do wonder what she thinks it is. What does she think it is, though? Some kind of weird...
2: Some kind of weird drawing of an animal? I... Hey, explain to me, can you, I know we've got, maybe we've got more important business, but can you explain to me why on the patch for the U- carrier USS Enterprise, there's like a weird dinner plate with two <laughs> bulbous forks?
1: What's, uh, you guys having dinner attached to it?
2: You having dinner with them? It's got like a weird record player. I don't understand what I'm looking at.
1: Yeah, she does not ask. She just assumes.
2: <sighs> on, uh, on TV... German soldiers never have anything better to do than to walk around and bug people about Nazi racial policies. Yeah, did, did they only send super indoctrinated party hardliners to the East Coast instead of just, you know, poor people in conscripts, probably what most of the German army was? That's <laughs> right.
1: These real elites got to go
2: to the East Coast. Yeah. 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 I- I guess the resistance says that the Gestapo is sweeping buildings, but there can't be enough Gestapo to patrol all of New York City, right? Oh, so no. these two guys that want to hassle Archer and ask him if he likes Negroes, yeah. what's going on? Uh, they're
1: bucking for a promotion, I guess.
2: Also, they definitely
1: speak English. Just a heads up. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They're all speaking to the people they in
2: They 100% speak English. That's,
1: uh, okay.
2: And, this is, and by the way, it's in every TV show. Yeah. If there's some Nazi soldiers, they got to run around and read from the Nazi handbook all the time to people. Yeah. Like, they can't just be doing their patrol.
1: Yeah. Oh, anyway, uh, look, I, Look, this was not a... If there are subtle portrayals of Nazis in TV and here. movies, it's definitely not here. It may not exist at all. I'm not it's sure not I've seen you, one.
2: Someone decided that that alien had to wear a SS uniform. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> Who's that for? He looked... I'm going to say this. He looked kind of adorable.
1: Oh, yeah. Something about that alien makeup, even with his red eyes, he looked kind of like a cute monster.
2: A little bit. (laughs) He does look like a Pokemon or something, you
1: know? Yeah, like a little squirtle with red eyes or something.
2: Yeah. Hey, Matt, at one point they wanted to do a whole season set in Alternate World War II. Well,
1: I'm glad this guy came along and said, no, let's wrap this shit up. Yeah,
2: that... That would have been unbearable. Except that, again, I know we
1: have a whole bunch of storylines that are not good coming up.
2: Yeah, for sure. But here's the uh, here's my question to you. Mm. Are you excited to watch Stormfront Part 2?
1: Uh, no. So here's I did some research. This is a good time to introduce it. Uh, I shared it with you offline already about the worst two-parters we've done in this project so far. <laughs> yes. And Voyager owns them right now. Right, so um, uh, for, uh, Futures End 1 and 2, that was the one with uh, fake Microsoft.
2: That was a good one, Chrono works.
1: Yeah, that scored a 43 combined in the two parts.
2: Yep, um, there, 43 would not be that great an episode on its own.
1: We haven't done the math yet, but I believe this one, Year of Hell, scored worse than that.
2: Year of Hell 1 and 2. Uh, it's moving in that direction for sure it didn't score a lot this week
1: and that so those are the worst ones but this is a bad start
2: yeah 43 would be the 27th best individual episode <laughs> that's right
1: well again so. and i think i think uh year of hell's even worse than that but i'm saying this this one this stormfront part one is off to a bad start it could challenge
2: mm, it could for worst two-parter it could. You certainly issued it very, very few points.
1: Um, so, no, I can't say I'm super excited about that, about seeing part two. Uh, and just for th- to wrap up the research, the best two-parter that we've done so far in this project is the DS9 uh, Improbable Cause and the Die is Cast two-parter. which scored 91 combined.
2: Yeah, that's pretty good. <clears throat> uh, i give best actor to trip apologizing and having a modicum of insight into his emotions mm-hmm. and worst actor to flavor blasted daniels
1: yeah he fucking his character sucks and the actor doesn't
2: do anything so no he has he's very
1: lifeless yeah
2: second place last week was deep space Nine. Oh, fun well is it this week we watched rejoined
1: Dax tricks the sex crime twins with some close-up magic. Before being called in to Cisco's office, he tells her some Trill scientists are on their way to do wormhole research, led by one Lenara Khan. She seems to always be saying "Karn."
2: Uh, I have "Khan," but that's from the subtitles. But yes, yes, she. It sounds like she You're says right. "Karn." Um. Anyway, it he could just be its not a real name to her. And so it's just Lenara Karn, like just a rhyme. Right. Well, whatever it is, it's it's a big bad news for Dax
1: because he Cisco uh, even offers to let her take a few weeks off and avoid this lady for as yet untold backstory reasons.
2: Yeah, meaningless suspense. Yep, because it serves no purpose. Because in the very
1: next scene, um, uh, (laughs) Dax, Kira, and Worf meet the science team at the airlock, and Dax tells Kira she used to be married to Lenara. Credits. Bashir, Kira, and Quark do some exposition, explaining that Tarius Dax was married to this lady's old host long ago. So that is their weird old marriage connection. Uh, at a welcome party for the science team, Dax tries to avoid What's-Her-Name, but the uh, that lady doesn't seem as worried about it. Starts a conversation with Dax, even though the whole room's watching them. They agree that they're mature adults, and they can get through this just fine. But can they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On the Bridge of the Defiant, the Dax and Lenara snip at each other a bit about their former host's behavior. Then Dax apologizes for dying in a fiery shuttle accident on Darius' behalf, and uh, she invites this lady to dinner with her and Julian, but she didn't tell Julian yet. Anyway, it's fine. P agrees to help her. No big deal. Bashir is bored as hell at dinner as Dax and Lenara tell old host stories. Uh, Then he leaves to go do doctor stuff, and the two trail ladies get uh, too close. And they hold hands yeah. and shit, and some old trill science creeper is spying on them. Creepy
2: ass, Doctor Pren.
1: Yeah, the backstory on this is trills aren't allowed to like reconnect, like uh, in their new hosts. It's taboo. Um, after and the punishment is exile. Yes, exile, and therefore the the symbion- doesn't get to carry on its line it just dies when the host dies anyway i mean unless dr crush is around to just put it in riker god that would be great another job for riker would be fantastic after reaching the matrix the uh magneton pulse causes a feedback loop that's nothing sorry um (laughs) they make a wormhole happen and then this uh, lady's brother grills her when they get back to the station about how close she is to Dax and she needs to watch herself. And this lady gets upset and goes to chat with Dax in her quarters and they do a make-out. Yeah. Dax tells the uh, talks the whole thing over with Cisco, who agrees to support her no matter what, but says, hey, seriously, don't do this. Um, back on Defiant, they shoot a probe into the, the artificial wormhole they just created, but things get explody as they often do during science missions. Dex goes down to do a commando rescue of Lenara from uh, the plasma fire and engineering. Dex surfs on a containment field and <laughs> saves her lady love and escapes into a
2: Jeffrey's tube. Hey, I like it just like that when I walk down a hill, so I get I get it. <laughs> like I'm just that exactly that unsteady going down even a slight grade, but it it does is not does not a good look.
1: Dex goes to visit Lenara and asks her to stay on DS9 and continue her research there. Uh, the lady's real scared and doesn't want to risk uh, exile, I guess, even though she they, she loves Dax. And then the lady leaves. We see her go to the airlock and leave and we get a real sad shot of Dax. And that's the episode. There were more details yeah. in there, but they really weren't worth covering. What was this one about?
2: Um, Even an unjust taboo still has power over people's lives. May still have power over people's lives. You can't just act as though it doesn't exist. Your upbringing doesn't exist.
1: Yeah, it's great to make a big, bold proclamation about how, uh, d- uh, damn all of them. We'll right. do whatever we want, because who, who are they to tell us it's wrong? But it's, yeah.
2: It's a little bit tough. I mean, in this one, they ultimately decide like they can't go on with their relationship, which makes it harder to figure out what we're supposed to take away. Uh, it's especially tough if the... Uh, so... There's a big there's a big two ladies kiss in this episode. Yeah, there is. And so some people think this is an episode about homosexuality. Yeah, it is. And then some people say, but it's not. No one cares that there are two women in deep space 9. Uh-huh. But of course, it's science fiction. Yes. So it is about it. it it's is just about not it. it's just not a problem in the universe. Instead, they have invented another problem mm-hmm. that isn't a problem that exists in our universe so that we can See
1: how silly it is
2: inspect our own feelings about the problem that does exist by analogy that's science fiction yeah uh and then you gotta so so this is represents like maybe a, a gay relationship between someone who's from an accepting community and someone who's from a conservative community mm-hmm
1: yeah Dax has all the support of her peeps right she don't live um, on big bad trill
2: yeah exactly so, yeah, so in the end it boils down to, you know, like, you can't expect the damage done by society to heal overnight. Hmm. And you need to accept that people can only overcome so much. And that makes it not exactly Gene Roddenberry Star Trek. Yeah. But it doesn't mean it's wrong. Like, it's this is a science fiction work being done here. I gave it five points.
1: I went more basic. I went with what I think the overarching message was and it got more points as a result i said love between consenting people shouldn't be outlawed because of cultural taboos i see what they're doing um this did still need to be hammered home in the 90s although i kind of can't imagine anybody writing the opposite of this episode in 1995 even if politically there were still people who were like no gays i don't think (laughs) i don't think you were gonna see that in on tv or anything
2: yeah i don't know um i haven't watched all of reba <laughs> does it Maybe. have a,
1: does it have a conservative bent i mean i don't have any idea
2: country music i've oriented, never seen so i i don't know the
1: only reba i know is i'm reba yeah uh and that definitely gets pretty down <laughs> that is true that's they're, they're some some real down shit um i gave it as much as a nine Alright. Like I said, I went more basic and that made it more powerful.
2: I So I I think that I would have gone with that take, except for the part at the end where she's just like, nah, though. Oh yeah, I mean, it doesn't it's work out the for thing. them. Nah. Um, so I, I chose to focus more on why it didn't work out for them, I guess.
1: Yeah, uh, kicking over to execution. I understand they still had to walk the line of keeping the gaze out of space, and that yes. this episode isn't as gutless as I remembered it being. <laughs>
2: By the way, the one thing that we know Gene Roddenberry did not give yes, one shit about. He like, could. there there's all of the all kinds of notes about he thought everyone should be jacking each other off yep. in the background. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no, yeah. he
1: was a horn dog and he did not particularly care what That game.
2: was not one of his issues for sure. Yeah. He didn't want women in power, but, but you know. That's right. He
1: hated his ex-wife. We get it.
2: What what about if a ship had two captains and they were constantly 69ing and that's how they <laughs> controlled the ship? He and his cronies. Oh wait a minute, that's Pacific Rim 2, probably, right?
1: <laughs> he and his cronies all agreed that they had their ex-wives were bitches. And that's <laughs> what got made it into Star Trek, especially. But it was, I think it was a network note to keep the gaze out of space. Yeah. Um, but this episode wasn't as gutless as I remembered it being. Um, it's very obvious what they're talking about, and they choose to have two ladies be the love interests and to do a makeout, as if to say, we're not allowed to make it about this, but you right. have to look at it. Yeah. Um
2: Well, they kind of made a meal of that kiss too. I have I have some things to say about it later. Um Directed by Avery Brooks.
1: Oh well, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um Still it's obviously undercut by the fact that these people used to be in different bodies. Dax even had a different gender, so it doesn't go so far as to say it's okay if people are gay, straight up. But the yeah. general message about societal taboos uh oppressing people fits, and they did use two ladies, so points for that. Terry Farrell can't carry this episode.
2: Yeah, it's the big problem with this one, huh?
1: And it's mean to make her try. Like it's setting her up to fail. I don't buy much of what she does on screen. I don't know what emotions she's feeling because she's not good at it. Also, kind of like what we were talking about earlier with those cloud minders, the Trill seem really harsh about this stuff. (laughs) Doesn't it seem that the Federation would probably have some guidelines about this?
2: Uh, again, we must, we must assume that the trill have been kicking around the Federation for a long time and no one's looking in like they've got their legacy. It's
1: just, uh... uh, the science plot is a big, who cares? It's just a way to get everybody in the rooms they need them to be in.
2: It's just a way to make an explosion. Exactly. Why do the trills care about wormholes? Yeah.
1: For what reason? What's the
2: connection?
1: I mean, like, I don't want to make them we- a monolith. Maybe they're a trail care about wormholes, but, like, they have sure. a whole science t- team dedicated to it.
2: Sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. The Hey, these guys have a magic metaphor pool.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Doesn't seem like the same people.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a five for me.
2: Uh, boy, I liked it even less. I only gave it a three. Okay.
1: We may be pretty far off on this one.
2: This one, well, we're, we're already uh, six points off, mm-hmm. so it could happen. Uh, so first of all, this is a tough one to put on Terry Farrell.
1: Yeah, she ain't up to it.
2: All all of these Dax ones are tough to watch, and they just keep doing them. I will say that Dax, that uh, Terry Farrell's a little better at emotions than she is at techno babble or like <sighs> pretending to be enigmatic. Yeah, and the guest star is stronger. Sure, and it's Avery Brooks directed, so I survived it. Here's a big problem for me, which is that I don't understand what it is about the accident in engineering that changed Lenara's mind about things. Yeah. They, they have their kiss, the second wormhole explodes, and now she's leaving, and why? This is, this is a show about emotions. You can tell me why and what emotions she's having.
1: Oh, uh, that'd be nice, huh?
2: Another thing I didn't like is that Worf is haunting this episode in a way that really demonstrates that the DS9 writers had no plan for him.
1: Oh, don't you get the feeling he was dropped off on their fucking laps?
2: Doesn't it seem that (laughs) way?
1: (laughs) It's like a fucking sack of somebody's old shit. And you're just like, if you're the writers, like, oh, wait, we got to write six wharf episodes this year.
2: Like, they got to have a scene in this one where they say Klingons eat shit at science. You probably hate having to do this mission.
1: Yeah, there's bad wharf stuff in this.
2: And then they got to, like, constantly cut back to him on the Defiant giving meaningless commands. Yeah. And just doing facial expressions and it's just like every time you see him you're like they didn't know I didn't they didn't know what to do Oh Why yeah Why is this his mission? This used Why to, isn't Dax just in command? I was gonna Why, say I don't
1: understand In the past Dax would've just been in command of this mission <laughs> Yeah
2: Like I know Cisco doesn't want to be there because he's building a new clock or whatever but anyway So far all Warf's done, has made a real ass of himself with Odo and been put on a duty that everybody knows he doesn't care about so Yeah It's uh Just a three for execution I think there's some problems with it
1: well, what about world building?
2: Uh, three, again. We get uh, reassociation, artificial wormholes. Uh, those class four probes look like Count Dooku's sailboat for some reason. <laughs> yep. Uh, didn't have a sail, but otherwise they looked similar. Uh, force fields can be erected at any weird angle in engineering with a few button presses. Even like.
1: by a totally wounded and distraught security officer.
2: Yeah. Uh, I don't know why Eddington was there either. It doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what to do about that force field thing. That makes no sense to me at all. Dude, you but... just
1: fucking just walked over it.
2: Yeah. So despite the fact that <clears throat> maybe there's more going on, not all of it was good. I could only give it a three. I agreed. It was a three.
1: Trill scientists working on creating wormholes from fucking scratch. The rules of Trill society about rekindling romances of former hosts, punishment's exile, and the end of that Symbian's line. Have we
2: seen Kira's dress uniform before? No, it's new. And it's lilac for some reason. Hasperat, veklava and MOBA fruit. Dax. I think we knew about Hasperat before.
1: I- in the show, but not in our project. Um, right. Dax surfs on a containment field. <laughs> yeah, That's, again, I have to keep saying it. Uh, yeah,
2: it did happen.
1: <laughs> so yeah, I agreed it was just a regular S3.
2: Uh, Oh, also, uh, Jeffrey's tubes maintain their atmosphere when the main compartment is vented, I guess. Yep. They honestly don't make a big deal of it at all, but it appears that that's what happens. Yeah, they just walk into that Jeffrey's tube and it's all fine in there.
1: Uh, Moving into characterization. I liked Quark's explanation of Dax's great magic trick. That she threw up that nasty egg (laughs) after having swallowed it earlier. (laughs) That's what I would yell at somebody doing magic. You ate that egg and threw it up. Um
2: <clears throat> or she had it beamed in. She had the egg beamed into her mouth. Mm-hmm. Like living in the Federation, does yeah, magic means nothing <laughs> now. <laughs> exactly. You've got what like a micro replicator up your sleeve or yeah. something and it
1: you yeah. replicated the egg in your mouth.
2: Uh well, well, Quark didn't didn't shout at her that he makes 3 <laughs> times what she makes. <laughs>
1: great i think you should leave skit where the magician humiliates him and his wife leaves him yeah. um well actually she agrees to stay with him for the kids
2: yes but she'll make sure that they don't respect him that's right
1: um cisco is uh, all up and involved in dax's former hosts love lives um and she says she's never had a friend like cisco in seven lifetimes bashir stole dax's magic trick
2: By the way, she's allowed to hang out with him in this life. That's not a kind of reassociation. Seriously. It's just specifically people you've uh, fucked. And they talk about Corazon all the time. Yeah.
1: Uh, Bashir stole Dax's magic trick. Um, (laughs) And he's a gossip. Also, he hates being at dinner when he's not the center of attention. Kira doesn't like Trill rules. She also turns to the Klingon in the room and asks, What do Klingons dream of? Yep, she's got curious
2: problematic now.
1: Woof. Dex still has all kinds of feelings about this lady, even though it's been a minute. She's all nervous and twitchy like Eric Foreman.
2: Just imagine asking a Chinese person if they dreamed about egg rolls. That's basically what's going on in this scene. That's kind of amazing because I have a note here that says, <laughs> This lady gives Dax
1: some earrings because they don't suit her. She's not very Klingon. I'm not very Chinese, Judah. Take this silk hat interesting that we chose the same metaphor there. Yeah. Um, Dax has all kinds of feelings for this lady. She's all nervous and twitchy like Eric Foreman.
2: Um, well, again, it wasn't until that Voyager episode that Klingons officially became black. That's true. Yes, <laughs> the one where
1: Schmollis didn't want uh, his kids hanging out
2: with him. He didn't want a kid listening to Klingon music. And he
1: just said it out loud, and the viewer <laughs> at home just had to go, Wait, what? They made the Doctor a racist? Uh... Let's see. Taraius died in a shuttle accident. Um, hey, Dax is just like us, man. She has trouble finding a good place to exercise at home. All squished in between the couch and the table. <laughs> That's like the way I exercise.
2: Uh, it's rough, man. You want to g- go down and grab some push-ups, but like... What are just, you going to do, move the coffee table? Yeah, it's really fucking annoying.
1: Uh, Worf gets to lead this research mission. He's very good at playing along with Whitey about Klingon stuff.
2: Uh, For sure. He definitely played along
1: there. I gave it as much as a five, but now I'm looking at it and it's a four.
2: Uh, Well, it was only a three for me, my friend. Mm-hmm. Here's what I know about these characters. Dax is rebellious because of Curzon. <laughs> also, she clasps her hands behind her back because of somebody else.
1: And she has a fear of heights because of somebody else.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. is her good friend and he thinks she's making a mistake, but yeah. she's not convinced. Bashir manages to get through a lesbian episode without being a creep, so good for him. Uh, Quark being amazed by homeroom teacher-level magic, I was less pleased with. Okay. Like, this, is, um, this isn't this is even... Uh, oh, latinum in the ear is pretty rough. Yeah, the latinum in the ear. Like, some, if someone got Quark's nose, it's just his nose doesn't look like a human thumb. That's the only reason they didn't do that one. Uh, Worf and Kira are still just kind of kicking around aimlessly. Odo doesn't have a line. He appears in the background of one scene in this episode. Yeah. He doesn't even get little-leagued in. Obviously, no sign of Jake or Nog or Rom. Yes. Or
1: Lita. Luckily, we haven't seen Lita in a while. She's gonna come back eventually. But she's Dax's new
2: best friend, so...
1: That's right, yeah, and she's the Trill She'll be back. She'll be back. Yeah. I just gave it a three. That's fair. It wasn't good. Um... What about quick ones?
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. The one thing I don't understand, says Kira, is why they can't just pick up where they left off. (laughs) After all, they've only been living separate lives and identities for like 80 years and have all the experiences of three new hosts between them. Also, that's the only thing she can't understand. Yeah, it's the one (laughs) thing I don't understand, she says.
1: Star Trek writers, dude They always make them say things
2: The one thing she doesn't understand In this story about where there's Fifteen Trill hosts (laughs) And eight symbionts and six of them Were married to the other two Is The basic human emotion part The emotions is what she doesn't understand.
1: The Star Trek writers are so bad, they can't ever have anybody say anything. They always have to start with either, I'm not afraid to say it, or (laughs) I'm not going to lie, or the one thing I don't understand. They can't just get to the line.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Are the Trill a technological society at all? They have metaphor baths, body swapping rituals, punishment by exile. It's true, yes. They don't seem also, that evolved. Also, they're the kind of people who reverse into a parking space at Deep Space Nine. <laughs> Did you see how that ship went in? Yep. That can't be the front of that ship. Yep. They backed in. That's confidence. Uh, kira has got a dress uniform and it's lavender. Uh, everyone does a racism about Worf and he leans into it for them then goes back to his weird high chair and berates himself in the mirror for not standing up for his people. (laughs) I assume. We didn't get to see that scene. I assume that got cut. I assume. I hope he brought that chair to the station with him. (laughs) He better. Did it survive generations is the question. That chair looked pretty sturdy. It looks sturdy but what if it's more artistic than functional and there's only two of those things you can actually sit on?
1: Well, fucking make a new one. Yeah, for sure. I want that chair.
2: Uh, Dr. Pren seems way nervous about these technical lines he has to say. Yeah. Like someone said to this old man, you put on the makeup, you read the lines, it's an easy nine hundred dollars, but he'd never had seen Star Trek. Like I said, dude, once they were in the Matrix, the magneton <laughs> pulse caused a feedback loop.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm just sitting here watching going, Hey, what the fuck are we doing?
2: oh whoops voyager escaped into this show (laughs) yeah i didn't ask for this um friends definitely have a casual dinner at 10 p.m all the time that's right friends listen to endless love in the dark Um, Curzon would be horrified to know it, That I was a scientist uh, Dax tells Lenara. <laughs> oh and he used to jack off thinking about me And he got me kicked out of trail school because of it Anyway he wasn't that bad
1: The more we hear about him the worse he gets But everyone loved him
2: Yep Yeah. Uh, I already sent you this one But if Jisukjin's next host Met his wife's next host would they reassociate <laughs> The lie detector says yes That's right they would definitely, even if I, we were reincarnated, I would marry you again. What's this caged off room on the promenade that Lenara goes into uh, when she storms out of the restaurant? Is it the ballroom?
1: That's a good question.
2: Did she check out a red one or a yellow one?
1: Um, They need a blue room on that station now that wharfs there. They don't have a blue she room. She could have gone to the sure.
2: blue room. Uh, this pullout shot of Dax leaning in her window in the purple jumpsuit feels like something out of Dallas. (laughs) Like it got real (laughs) 1980s there all of a sudden. Yeah. And then a little background. Uh, it turns out that Michael Piller had the idea in season two that Trills wouldn't reassociate with their past relationships because he thought that if they did, uh, it would become like a weird joined trill oligarchy where everyone just hung out with their past buddies from all their old lives. Mm. And that is a much neater explanation than the one given for it this week, yeah. which is no explanation. Why or... didn't
1: they go over that? It was the one yeah. time anyone thought about a backstory for an alien. Yep.
2: Hey, yeah, for sure. Did, didn't come up. You gotta go read Memory Alpha. God, But you know, Lenar is a senator, so they can't. <laughs> I'm a so senator. Kind of, it's never gonna work out. I gave best actor to Cisco and worst actor to Dr. Pren.
1: Yeah, that creeper was not great. Uh, and speaking of Dr. Pren, I hate this dude's nasty clothes. <laughs> the old man scientist, I said. Awful colors, awful fit. Is it a dress? Is it clothes? <laughs> is it a is it pants? I don't know.
2: It's a real good question. Horrible.
1: Uh, there were some return to Sex Dax Island vibes in this episode. She fucking, she I fucked the shit out of this lady a few times. Yep. Uh, the note I already gave about not being very Chinese, so you can tap my silk <laughs> hat because I'm not Chinese enough for it. Um,
2: <laughs> Terry Farrell didn't. A Klingon scientist gave me these earrings. Oh, that's super rare. They're a Klingon scientist? Yeah. Hey, do you want these earrings? I'm not. I'm not very I don't on. care about them. I did wear them tonight, but I
1: don't Yeah, I wore them, them to my hot date, but I don't need them.
2: And later she's like, why did I give her the fucking earrings? She didn't want those earrings. That was really dumb. I, I just by said, the way, do you want these earrings? By the way, <laughs> it would haunt me forever. Oh, I know. <laughs> In the middle of the night, you'd hear me go, oh, boy. You'd be like, that guy said nice pocket knife. And I just said, do you want it? Do you want this why? knife? I don't need didn't it. didn't want that knife. I don't
1: really like knives. So you can have it if you want.
2: And I talked so loud. Did, what did I think? What did, I, did I think I was impressing people with my generosity? I half
1: shouted at him, I don't like knives, take the knife. <laughs> What's wrong with me? Um, Terry Farrell did not know what to do during this makeout. I was very distracted by what her hands were doing behind this lady's head they like oh no
2: i guess i did i would i was just infuriated by how long they thought they needed to show that makeout.
1: it was a long makeout, long enough for her hands to clasp and unclasp this lady's hair about 19 times mm. it was very awkward and i mm. honestly i didn't see much of the kiss because i was going what's she doing back there <laughs> is this a trill thing she's <laughs> yep. stimulating her somehow
2: uh do you think they like press their bellies together mm.
1: i hope mm. not fuck <laughs> Oh, and then you can, like, see them all rippling around yeah, in they there. they run
2: their fingertips along those pouch seams? they fucking ripple around in there, like in the Odin oh, episode? Yeah, for sure they do. <laughs> oh, nasty! This gross as hell. Fuck.
1: I'm out of quick hitters.
2: Uh, oh, boy. Um, We're moving quick. Yeah, we are. Ben, <laughs> when the episodes, your notes, The episodes have not been that good. Yeah. By the <laughs> so, way,
1: last week was a very bad week. It wasn't as bad as week 70. That was the last one that was, like... Uh, Real trash Real trash But by the way Last week was your worst week Since week 30 Yeah So you really hated last week So we'll see if this week Does any better
2: Well It would be very difficult For it to do worse (laughs) I gave a five and an eight Last week That's very poor But I'm
1: sure the TNG Was very good An excellent episode Right?
2: Yeah well The winner last week Was TNG And this week We did watch Brothers
1: Enterprise cuts their shore leave short and heads to Starbase 416 due to a practical joke gone wrong. That's embarrassing. (laughs) One kid pranked his brother into the ICU. Data is escorting the prankster to see his brother, the pranky, after a lecture from Billy Boy. But Data gets all twitchy and weird and diverts the turbolift to the bridge. Credits. A New course and speed are suddenly programmed into the helm. Data won't respond to commands, and I guess the day we all knew would come is finally here. Data has gone full malfunction and taken over the ship. Picard and the senior staff head to engineering and try to retake the ship. Data has obviously locked everything out and sets up a bunch of defenses, so uh, they ain't gonna manage it. There's an extended sequence that isn't bad at all, where they try various steps to retake the bridge. (laughs) There's no reason to go into any of it. It's true, it doesn't matter at all. Meanwhile, if they don't get to the Starbase soon, the little boy who got pranked is gonna die. That's the, that's the stakes, I guess. Yep. Uh, Data does a cool thing, whereas he heads to the transporter pad, a bunch of force fields go up ahead of him and behind him, like guarding him the whole way, and uh, he beams off the damn old ship despite a cool ambush by Riker and O'Brien. <laughs> they were clearly most concerned <laughs> with
2: being cool. They definitely hid around the corner, and Riker probably rehearsed what he was going to say.
1: They popped out and went, aha! (laughs) Uh, Data, still under mind control or whatever, walks out of the woods into a weird laboratory where he meets a very old man, played by fucking Brent Spiner in Bad Makeup.
2: That is correct.
1: The guy says the magic words and Data wakes up and finds himself face to face with a presumed dead Noonian. Soon, his creator. He fucking
2: cranks on his don't, teeth with don't, a don't. screwdriver. It's awful notes. to think about. I got a
1: hundred <laughs> notes about it.
2: Meanwhile. There's screws in there, man. Why? Well,
1: are there? All right. Well, you want to get into it? Fine. This It's a very sad sequence where he sticks a screwdriver into Brent Spiner's mouth, but doesn't really touch anything. No, he just turned turned and just turns it a couple of times like it's some bad community theater that we're not supposed to be able to see up close. Bro, they've put a whole big light up circuit board in his head that they always use. Where was that this week? Why didn't they use that? You put a screwdriver into his open mouth, didn't touch anything, turned it a couple of times. He did it (laughs) twice. He did it to Lord, too. Yep. (sighs) I hated it so much. Anyway. Uh, Anyway, so it's Noonie and Soong, his creator. Um, meanwhile, the crew is gonna use the force field energy from the quarantine field this kid is in to cancel the force fields blocking the yep, bridge, question mark. because only
2: one force field can counteract another one. Everyone knows Huge it. Huge
1: question mark. Um, back in the lab, Soong and Data have a chat about, you know, life or whatever. Then Lore walks in, and as we already know, this fucking guy can't be cool for even a hot minute. no. <laughs> Soong is very dumb and reactivates Lore, which is a major mistake. Data essentially
2: begs him not
1: to. (laughs) He's like, please don't do that. I fung out with this guy and he's so uncool. (laughs) The guy's the fucking worst. I don't want to spend the night with this guy. Come on. Lore is about to peace out, though. Thank God. But Soong is, like like I said, very dumb and stops him by saying, uh, I'm dying. And this is going to be our last chance for a real good hang. Yeah. Uh, Meanwhile... Riker comes up with a cool as hell transporter idea, which must surprise everybody in the room. <laughs> Fuck get out of my notes. <laughs> they're, um, they're gonna trick the transporter into accepting that someone else's data so they can follow him down to the planet where he, he beamed down.
2: Because they definitely can't fix the ship without him. Yeah, no, they've just they just can't. They fucked they, up To do Riker's the Three Datas plan, they need to network a bunch of tricorders together.
1: You know how we always talk about how much I love how we love the TNG crew seems real competent and smart and great at their jobs and everything. This is a real well, they low. They got out, this they is got a low out point. funk. They
2: got out <laughs> funk in this one for sure. Uh, Picard point. says something super pathetic. I have a it's, clip of. It. I'll play later.
1: This is a real low point for the crew when they realize they can't depend on either Mama Computer or Data, and they are just like, "What do we, what do we do though?"
2: Hey guys, do you think we've become too reliant on technology? <laughs> we don't. Turns out we don't know how any of this works.
1: Yep. Uh. Anyway. <laughs> While they're working on that, back on the planet, Lore is butthurt about being taken apart years ago, and Data has a small breakdown about a, a complex he's developed about being less perfect than Lore. Soong finally reveals his great plan to give Data the emotion chip he's been working on all these years. That sounds like a great idea. It always goes so well. Yeah. Uh, Soong needs a conveniently timed nap to regain his strength before putting the chip <laughs> into Data.
2: It's a simple procedure, but I'm so but tired. I'm so tired. <laughs>
1: Uh, well, we already know that Lore has one cool trick, and it's pretending to be Data. So <laughs> there's actually a 101% chance that he will pull a Flipsy on soon in this next scene.
2: I, Data at this point should have said, he's going to deactivate. When me. you come in, you're going to
1: see me. Be
2: careful. It will look like me, but, but it, won't it will be, be Lore.
1: It's going to be Lore, so please don't do
2: anything. See, see if you can get him to do contractions. <laughs> right.
1: Anyway, of course he does a Flipsy. He gets the new chip and is more crazed than ever. The music cues let us know. Uh, he ragdolls his creator a bit and then he beams out of there. Uh, Worf, Riker, and Geordi have successfully beamed down and they find the lab. They go to help a wounded Soong. Worf carries in a deactivated data and Riker turns him on because he remembered that stuff from that court, that court episode. Yeah. Um, and it's just in time for a final farewell between father and son. Soong tells Data how to save Enterprise and dies. Back on board, Crusher tells Data that brothers forgive and he makes a creeper face, which may be the only effective part of this episode. What did you think this one was about?
2: Uh, uh Even if your brother uses his best man speech to call you a sadistic child, bully, hey! you have to forgive him. <laughs> Dr. Crusher said so. Is this isn't therapy. What does <laughs> Crusher's take really mean? If you're stuck with someone, you may as well forgive him. She doesn't even really tell Willie Potts, the name of the sick kid, Mm. why he should forgive his brother.
1: Just that he should, and that's the same thing she tells Data. That's what brothers do, she says.
2: Like, is it bad for you to hold on to a grudge? Like, what if your brother is Lore? Yeah, what the fuck does she expect Data to do? Lore is a psychopath, and he just killed their father... I don't think there's any way I can give a take with this little nuance. Very many points. I just gave it two because at least she said what I think the only thing that could you could take away from this episode is.
1: Yeah. Except at the end, Data gives that creeper face like, I don't know about that.
2: Yeah. Well, he's not supposed to have emotions. <laughs> they ruined their one chance, by the way, to have uh, Dr. Soom say, well, of course you have emotions. Yeah, Someone told you you don't. Did Laura tell you that? That's bull crap. That's a bunch of horse shit.
1: Um, of course you have emotions. I was in the same area. I said familial relationships are fucking tricky.
2: <laughs> well, that must have been worth a lot of points. Not
1: even remotely hot. I gave it a two.
2: <laughs> this episode, let's just swing right into <laughs> uh, into execution. Sure. It's a real letdown, huh? Yeah, it wasn't good. It wasn't a very good one.
1: Uh, these little boys who we don't care about, uh, Data and Lore and soon. Um I guess there's some parallels between those stories, but there's no doubt it would have felt more meaningful with the Picard story from last week.
2: Yeah, where he fights his brother. Mm -hmm. And then it turns out that his brother has emotional issues and that's why he does this. By the way, this is a thing that Dr. Soong says, right? So Soong's like, okay, Lore had a bad time and that's why he's a dick. Yeah, And it's like, that really would have paired better with the moment where uh, Robert Mm -hmm. is like, father always liked you best and then you'd be like okay i get it i see it
1: now there's a clear parallel in this episode
2: i get it now but no no they split it off
1: it would have been tricky to manage in 45 minutes because they felt like they wanted to give those both a plots i guess yeah um most of what happens in this episode is wild techno nonsense soon sucks lore sucks what do we do about data's powers nothing right (laughs) we just wait for the next time he takes over the fucking ship.
2: Where, by the way, uh, where the fuck is Starfleet on oh this my one? God, now? It's a flag Why aren't ship. they like okay? So first of all, Data's grounded for a while because yes. we we have to do a very thorough review of what just happened. Turns also out he because, has these
1: weird fucking protocols in his brain that just turn on him. And he goes commando.
2: Yeah, that sucks too. Also, are the computer. The voice recognition makes no attempt to validate whether it's a recording. Yeah, also,
1: we should have known by now that there are computers that can simulate human voices, but we didn't. And now we need to do something about it. Yeah,
2: like, hey, this went bad. This went very bad, very fast.
1: Yeah, they need to send a lot of error reports back to Starfleet.
2: I mean, really, uh, Kintaros or whatever should have brought the binars back because the fucking (laughs) ship needs a tune up now. That's right.
1: I'd like to think he kept them on board.
2: His well, regular crew. Hey, the Enterprise, that specific ship saved their entire race. Oh, they owe So them. maybe they could come back and help Like put, just put some basic security in place. Oh,
1: no shit. They owe them enough to literally have a crew on retainer. To just be like, we need some binars. Send
2: them. Just like basic two-factor authentication. Like, the computer yes. knows where Picard is. Send him a little message on his is phone. Is he on the bridge? Because if not, yeah. something's wrong. Enter the code from your phone, Picard.
1: Uh, like I said, I found the final three frames effective, because <laughs> Data looks so insane when she says, brothers forgive, and he's looking like, I'm gonna fucking kill my brother. Um, and, um, the stuff where Data takes over the crew, and uh, Data takes over the ship, and the crew has to stop him is fun to watch, but it's mostly a nothing episode, so it was
2: a four for me. Ooh, boy, uh... Well, your scores were higher than mine this week. I, I only gave it a three. Um, too many spiners.
1: Oh, obviously. Three is three too many.
2: That's just too many. The uh, the B plot is not that interesting. It's just kind of a ticking clock.
1: Yeah. Well, oh, oh, In fact, it wasn't more interesting than just saying there's a plague somewhere.
2: Yeah, that's true. The I, I like the fact that everybody is worried about the death of one child. That mm-hmm. that's what they're talking about during the retaking the ship C plot. But... That's very minor. And everything else about that plot is just techno babble. Like yes. Like you said. If someone comes up with a techno babble idea, it doesn't work.
1: Yeah, data has a different techno babble that beats theirs.
2: Is it anything that data takes control of the ship by impersonation and the crew uses impersonation to beam back down? Is that anything? I mean can't be much.
1: Yeah, I don't know what it is.
2: And buddy, I got a question for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah the fuck was Dr. Soong studying down there? Chemistry?
1: There's a lot of chemistry.
2: Dinosaurs? Yeah. <laughs> you know,
1: just whatever, whatever strikes his fancy on any given day.
2: I know this show that they've, they've never had a scientist in the writer's room oh, and they sure. don't know what science is and they hate science and scientists for
1: some reason. All scientists do all science.
2: He has a toy dinosaur and a model volcano down there.
1: That's, he just likes playing prehistoric times when he gets bored. He plays with the dinosaur in the volcano. Yeah. I gave it a three. Okay. Uh, What about world building?
2: It's three again. We There's some stuff. Uh, The saucer can maintain warp for at least two minutes. It can sustain warp if they separate at warp. It's like a glider. Yeah. Uh, We see a big medical quarantine slash hamster run. Can I clarify something
1: on that for a second? Because I just thought of it. Was the point of the medical quarantine to keep things away from him? Or was it to keep him away from them?
2: Uh, So this is extremely dumb, right? We could talk about this. This don't make no sense. It's okay for people to run around on the planet that this parasite is on?
1: Yeah, that's inside this fruit.
2: Right, he ate this fruit and now he's got the parasite in him. Is it... Does that why it's airborne now when he has to be kept behind a force field under glass?
1: Well, that's what I was asking. So... Is, is, that no is that what they say? Is that what they say? Because I couldn't it tell doesn't... if they were protecting him from other people, like his immune system was compromised, I, yeah. or if they were protecting them from him. I, I, it wasn't made did, clear to me.
2: They did not go out of their way to explain. Right. We know that if the force field goes down, it's bad. it's bad in there.
1: Yeah, but I couldn't tell if it was bad just for him or if it was bad
2: for yeah. them. And they don't do a good job of explaining it. Yeah. Anyway, he's got a parasite. It doesn't say, I don't whatever. Yep. <sighs> Uh, there's a lot of play with access codes A ton Also, uh, someone did the math and the code that Data puts in To, uh, when he, the new security code he inputs for Picard Hmm. Still would not be crackable today Oh, nice It's, it's like, uh, two, the equivalent of a 269-bit cipher or something like that Yeah, it is a It's pretty, it's pretty strong It's a shit ton of characters uh, you know, that means we're just about 10 years away from cracking it, probably, but usually the stuff is outdated by the time it hits air, so. Yeah,
1: we always, we talk about, like, when they talk about how much memory a computer has or something in Star <laughs> right. Trek, and we go, okay, I mean, that is bigger than what we have, but it's not much bigger. Right. Like, so it's kind of like that, where, yeah, we, okay, we can't do that, but it won't be long.
2: Um, Transporter school? <laughs> do you want to talk about this? Do it. Uh, Jordy says that they're gonna fool the transporter into thinking it's back in school. Yeah. Which is obviously a metaphor. Sure. But I still really like the idea. <laughs> He's gonna put it into a weird diagnostic or training mode. Yeah. Is there artificial intelligence in the trans... They almost would have to be, just based on what we've seen from the damn transporter.
1: I'm sure it's just like the rest of the Enterprise computer. Too smart.
2: Yeah. Don't ask the transporter to defeat Data. <laughs> oh
1: god, it would be so easy You'd just beam him into the middle of a sun
2: or something. Yeah, I could do it for sure. I gave it a three.
1: <laughs> I have defeated Commando Data. Okay. Um, I agreed it was a three, but I have... This is like my longest notes section because I have a lot of questions, so bear with me. Laser tag makes it into the 24th century, which makes more sense as we develop laser weapons.
2: It's probably a lot better, frankly. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, arcades, too. <laughs> it sounded like there was just a big arcade that they were hanging out in. Uh, don't eat the cove palm fruit. Yeah, don't let
2: kids run around on that planet.
1: Seems like there were no warnings given to anybody. I I don't... It was just behind the arcade. Yeah, they should have some signage or something. Um, Parentless children just roam Enterprise cutting special deals with the XO. (laughs)
2: Listen, Riker, when when those parents... What? ...needed a sabbatical from those two children. Bro, they
1: didn't take their kids.
2: Riker agreed to let the kids stay on Enterprise. Enterprise, a ship that flies around and fights aliens. In, incidentally, the sabbatical thing ain't new, right? It was probably before Best of Both Worlds that the parents left. Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: And they said all that business fighting the Borg and everything where all those people died? Yeah. No big deal. We're
2: on, on the Melbourne, were there some kids whose parents were on sabbatical? Because that's going to be rough for those guys.
1: I just, it hurts so much to think about it. The, the illogic of it. <laughs> Why would they take a sabbatical but leave their kids on a flying spaceship that goes like around fighting aliens? Like, uh,
2: can the, does the little one wipe his own ass? <laughs> all right, I guess he could stay. We got replicators and everything.
1: I don't understand it. Uh, all right.
2: These two unaccompanied children went to the transporter room. Yeah. Beamed down to that planet. Mm-hmm. Went to the went arcade. Went into the arcade. Rented the laser pistols. Somehow. Yep. Ah man! Yeah. Then that kid had to go tell everyone that his brother was missing, and then they found him with the parasites and everything. But it's like, a, it's... just the, the idea of the two of them going into transporter room three and being like, "We're going to the planet," you know us. And the some transporter operator was like, "All right, the ship's I'll orphans. Send, I'll definitely send two unaccompanied minors down to the planet it's, for sure."
1: It's really crazy. It's fucking crazy. Um, I hate this boy's casual outfit. The older boy. I don't want to attack this kid in the worst way possible by coming for his collar.
2: But what's okay. up with his
1: collar? <laughs> it's fucking huge. You could fit two of that kid's head through that collar.
2: <laughs> He's kind of got a boat neck going what on. What is sure. it? His brother's in feety pajamas. <laughs> Those survive until the 24th century. Fucking horrible.
1: Um, uh, Dr. Sung sucks and programmed his androids to do a commando raid anytime he wants to have a chat with them. Like, <laughs> fuck this guy a thousand times. Why would he think that was a good idea?
2: Hey, how Overcome much of that- any do-
1: obstacles necessary to come directly to me.
2: For sure. How much of that do you think he programmed into that? subroutine. Like, does he say, remember that you can impersonate voices? I don't know! I think he
1: literally just, like, use any Make sure means. you establish
2: a new command system so that they can't beam you back.
1: He's a real fucking asshole, and if he didn't die, they should have killed him.
2: Yeah, Soong sucks dick. It is for sure. Like, you know he sucks when the first thing he says to Data is basically, um... Shit, what does he say to him? How are you, boy? Well, no, but I mean, like, he says... I've never been too comfortable living somewhere where I didn't have a pre yeah. predefined escape route. And it's like, wait, what? Oh,
1: yeah, when Data's like, oh, I assumed you died on the Omicron Theta or whatever. He's like, ah, well, I never felt comfortable living anywhere where I didn't have a predetermined escape route. You're like, wow. It's like, Why? hold on. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I've, I've never really thought about that.
2: Are you a criminal? Yeah. Are you a
1: terrorist? <laughs> you might be. Uh, you are. Picard is the only person with clearance to decide where command functions can be controlled from c- controlled
2: sure yeah only picard can do that level 15 lockout uh-huh. are those quarantine booths soundproof because <laughs> she's
1: just standing right next to it saying shit like he's not gonna stay all right
2: yeah for
1: about sure. the kid in the box next
2: to her it's it's there's no question how that kid figured out that he was dying <laughs> she definitely just said it let it slip <laughs> yeah
1: O'Brien suggests a phaser beam would ricochet off a force field and damage the transporter, which would be a first, I think. Yeah. I don't know if think he knows how it
2: works. Hey, this whole thing is his idea. <laughs>
1: Uh, the whole Enterprise crew has to come face-to-face with how shitty and useless they are without their mother computer or data. They can't even do math without it. Picard asks for a calculation on how long it will take to get to the Starbase from their present location, and the computer just says no, and then they all look at each other like, does anybody know how to calculate things?
2: Uh, And Riker or Geordi, I forget who says, the only reason we knew we came out of warp was because someone looked out a window. (laughs)
1: They're they're fucked, dude, they're so fucked. Uh Maybe
2: that's the real message of this story is... They're fucked. Yes, you, don't, you become too dependent on technology. It's going to be like rock all over again. That's yes, right.
1: And then I'll just have... I, mean, I already talked about it, but what I wrote verbatim. Hey, the adjustments Soong makes to Data when they first meet are sad. He puts a little screwdriver into his open mouth, touches nothing, turns it a couple of times, and goes, Okay, we're good! Again, yeah. it's somebody's weird community theater... <laughs> Why aren't they using the big circuit board in his head they usually use? What gives? It was ah. so bad.
2: Spiner already had enough makeup calls that week. They weren't gonna put the apply the circuit board again.
1: Canceling the force fields with power from
2: other force fields is equally dumb. It's really is the, the holodeck has its own energy of TNG. <laughs> That's right. We get everyone's on replicator rations, but everyone use the holodeck as much as you want. Someone said in one episode that that was different somehow. Yeah,
1: just have it run freely. Well, how about you use that energy then? Use that energy to run the fucking replicators. You idiot. Seems like perfectly good energy to me. I don't know. Uh, Lore got picked up by some pack leads. They're all dead now, right?
2: Oh, uh, 100%. He murdered them, for sure. That was not a packled transporter that he beamed out with. He's already hooked up with the Borg. It just doesn't <laughs> come up yet, That's right? That's right. That was a weird transporter effect.
1: Exactly right. He's already with the Borg. He probably slowly killed all those packlets with his bare hands.
2: Uh, yeah, I imagine it was pretty grim for them. All with their bad speech and everything? It's probably sad. Yeah.
1: Riker and Geordie's whole plan about tricking the transporter into thinking somebody else's data by putting the system into test mode and networking together a few tricorders. Uh, that's all I had. It was a three for world building for me. Oh, well, what about characterization? Riker's kind of a hard ass with this kid. Yeah. Like, the kid didn't know any of this would happen. He pulled kind of a shitty prank where he made the kid think he'd hurt him.
2: Yeah, it's not it wasn't a great prank. But he didn't
1: force feed the kid the poison fruit, which is something a kid might do to another kid.
2: <laughs> it's true. Like he didn't even dare him to eat the fruit. That yeah, just was an accident.
1: Was a, the kid ran away and he got hungry, he ate a fruit. Like what well, I don't know, he's really he's kind of rough with him anyway.
2: I think that the kid just sat there and took it because the only thing that makes sense is if he didn't chase after his brother right away.
1: Oh, like he's like,
2: ah, I got him. How'd that kid get so far away from him? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He laid there for a while. Because he didn't eat that fruit till he got hungry.
1: Um, Good work by Riker starting this whole transporter plan off. Again, that was pretty surprising.
2: It must have really surprised Wesley, who was standing right there. Yeah, Wesley. It must have surprised him when Jonathan Frakes started reading Will Wheaton's line.
1: <laughs> That's right. And then they just left it in like that. Those fuckers. No wonder he wanted off the show. Guys, he read my... That those, those, was those my line. Like, I have this whole page is me. I'm saying all this. Yeah, but, I mean, he stepped in. It sounded pretty good. We're just going to go with it. Will. Yeah. Um, Riker's a hard ass with Data, too. Despite
2: Data not even knowing what happened. Gets real grouchy with him. He is and he isn't. Like, uh, <laughs> Riker goes to all that trouble, brings him down there. Doctor Soong's dying. Riker wants to beam him up. He's like, "No, nah, I'm gonna die here." And the data's like, "Can I have some time alone with him?" And Riker's not like, "The fucking kid's gonna die." <laughs> yeah, but he shouts at him. All right, I'll did. go stand outside and smoke a cigarette. Jesus. <laughs> yeah.
1: But he does shout at him about what he did, and Data's like, "Yeah, I didn't. I literally don't remember that." Um, Crusher is good with kids, but was that a German accent she was trying to do when she was telling that joke?
2: Oh, uh, no, I think it was an old Jew, right? That was what she was trying to do, and she's just not good at it. It's like a Roger Marx.
1: Did she say the guy went to an old Jew doctor?
2: Nah, but that was the subtext.
1: Does the stereotype from the future about doctors that they're old Jews?
2: Okay, that was my take on what she was doing. Maybe she was (laughs) doing German. It doesn't make (laughs) any more sense unless it's supposed to be Sigmund Freud or something. This is what
1: I'm saying. What stereotype is she playing from 2360-whatever? That's a very good question. Um,
2: Picard will hate Data forever for making him look so fucking impotent. Uh, I mean, Picard basically disappears from this episode. Well, his first nine orders are just complete nothing.
1: (laughs) The computer just goes, no. So he just gives up and recedes into the background. Uh, Again, Laura is still that fucking guy who you can't take anywhere. He gets all emotional when Soong says he's dying, but like, is that an act? Because he's... He's pretty mean and he kills him later.
2: Yeah, and he sings like comic opera at him. It's very bad. Yeah, he likes singing and he likes agio, which is weird. Oh, he does like agio. He I don't like that agio either. Agio, and
1: I hated it? It's like when John Cook does it? Yeah. <sighs> Data has crazy fucking complexes about how he compares to his brother Lore. How much more emotional can you be? that's like oh no kidding the <laughs> full depth of the human emotional experience deep-seated complexes
2: I, 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 in this episode without having put an emotion chip in him yeah data sits there it and, says over stunned and, over again. and says i'm not less perfect than lore over and over, and over. And over again
1: yep. it's wild and then he makes a killer robot face when crusher tells him the brothers forgive
2: yeah uh i'm
1: gonna give it a four
2: you were, again, slightly more charitable than me. I, I only gave it a three. Spiner gets to play scenes as a sociopathic narcissist mm. and an insane, furious psychopath. <laughs> and he still can't help but give Data inappropriate emotions to. No, I
1: know. I know.
2: <laughs> like, it should be all out of his system. They must have shot it in the wrong order. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Picard, as you said, is really reliant on people and computers carrying out his orders. Once Data has control, he's along for the ride.
1: I'm right, though. Right? He'll never forget this. He'll hate Data forever. Uh,
2: My first theory was that Frakes asked f- for the idea about the transporter to come from Riker, <laughs> but I now like my second theory better. He accidentally read Will Wheaton's line. <laughs> Oh, and uh, was Crusher not a good mom? She's like trying to lecture this dying kid with, everyone does pranks. I know you do pranks. Yeah. Don't you lie to me, you little shit. <laughs> anyway, not the best week for characterization.
1: I bet she pranked Wesley all the time.
2: She must have. She probably did a lot of pranks. She told him the school burned down, John Candy died, et cetera.
1: All that stuff. All right.
2: No, John Candy was going to play Data. That
1: was what that yeah, cause was. Yeah, because the guy who played Data died. Yeah. God, that would have been some man, you know, back then else, it made us cry wouldn't work now but Yeah, back then it made us cry. But now I'm like, I'd really like to see it.
2: I'd mean, be like, oh, it's a weird choice. Well, Explore like, Eugene Levy, I think, would be a better <laughs> choice, but that's fine.
1: <laughs> I'd like to see either. Either would be such an interesting. If It's going to be
2: one of the guys from armed and dangerous. It should be Levy. And
1: that is how it goes. It would have to be one of the guys from armed and dangerous. Well, I mean, I'd like to see Meg on. Ryan play data. <laughs> Why not? Let's give it a shot.
2: You know what? Maybe. Or her angry dad. Yeah, that angry dad. The
1: guy who always plays jerk and everything.
2: Yeah. Is... He's got he's got great eyebrows. He's got great eyebrows for Data.
1: I know Noonien Singh was pretty old when he finished Data, but he really felt like he needed to make the robot an
2: old man? It's pretty uh, weird. Yeah. This it was odd. It's a real odd choice. Yeah. Um I got some quick hitters. Yeah. Uh they went to all the trouble of remastering this episode and they couldn't clean up this mist level blue screen with Riker mm. at the start?
1: Yeah, well, great.
2: It's just real bad. Like what happened there? Ordinarily, they just have a black curtain with some sequins on it hanging behind that window. Yeah, where was like their they curtain? Don't have to, they don't do it in CGI.
1: Their curtain was in the back. Uh, I figured it out. There was a storeroom that was locked. It had data circuit board in it, and it also had the curtain in it. Yeah, they couldn't. Anyway,
2: eight eight seconds in to this episode, I was like, "Yeah, no shit, Riker ended up with this job. Picard wasn't doing this. <laughs> Watching these kids while their parents were on sabbatical? No chance." Yeah. Uh that so it's a one button press to take you to the bridge in the turbo lift cuz that's all data pushes when he gets his <laughs> weird signal. He just pushes the topmost button goes right to the bridge.
1: It's like when you get in an elevator and you just push penthouse.
2: <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> I mean this works. is why Wesley was just able to go to the bridge in Farpoint, right? Yep. I thought it was odd that they transferred command engineering and not the battle bridge. It seems like the battle bridge is the place you should probably do that.
1: Yeah, that's that seems like a nerve center.
2: Uh yeah, Noonie and Sung is wildly sketchy, right? He's awful. He's been just been playing dead for 30 years. Didn't tell nobody he's alive. That's right. Everyone in the galaxy thinks he's dead. Always has a prearranged escape route. Paints his fingernails taupe for some reason. <laughs> old people don't have taupe fingernails. <laughs> <It's>
1: true. <laughs> some makeup artists went. Uh God, what do old people look like? Uh Let's see, uh, crazy hair, nasty old face, taupe
2: fingernails. Yeah. Hey, uh, what's the risk with this quarantine we covered? Yeah. The Federation's premier cyberneticist had a friend called Old Tom Handy. (laughs) Yep. Bet him him a bale of hay that he wouldn't (laughs) be able to pat his head and rub his tummy at the same time. (laughs) Old Tom Handy. That's
1: right. Yeah.
2: Uh Then I saw his volcano model And toy dinosaurs And I asked if he was Benjamin Buttoning <laughs> his, uh He had a weird Quilted Embroidered Jacket On under his other jacket Yeah But it made him look like He was getting a Chinese x-ray <laughs> Like you know The brocade part Was the Chinese But it just looked like An x-ray vest <laughs> Yep Uh also, clearly, Doctor Soon was a fan of the socially conscious space hop group Brand Newfian. Yep, that's right. Uh, Lore shows up. His outfit is amazing. It's packled clothes, right? But because he's not packled shape, uh, he's got a big turtleneck under a canvas sack. A lot of turtlenecks in this. Vest. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's been in space, Mongolia.
1: Yeah, it was all brown. It's a lot of brown.
2: Uh yeah, been a while since Data clearly had emotions, but how else can you interpret him standing there with his mouth open repeating, I'm not less perfect than lore? Yeah. I'm sure they thought it was pretty cool when they said let's have the emotion chip be tiny. <laughs> but for real, you could fit like half a terabyte on that in twenty twenty. I was gonna say that thing's pretty <laughs> Does it also have Skyrim? What is he putting <laughs> That's in there? What I'm saying. Uh lore does fingernail shit to activate his transporter uh, it's gruesome
1: yeah he does that a lot later too this fucking yeah. guy
2: i told him he's not cool he's not cool he does all.
1: that shit at the bar and you're like all right i'm just gonna go and he's like why but, is it because uh, of the fingernail thing and you're like yeah it's the fucking fingernail <laughs> thing <laughs> yeah, i
2: hate that i, I hate seeing it and i don't want to stay here anymore
1: you say that and then he does the fingernail thing like three times real quick right in front of you and you just go okay <laughs> yeah. cool click, 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 click. Yeah. real classy that's good stuff
2: Guy. Why the fuck did Lord dress Data up after he took his uniform? <laughs> like in his mind, what was that about? His modesty chip. <laughs> For real, right? Like he took Data's clothes and put them on, and then he put his clothes on Data.
1: His modesty chip went, "Well, I can't just leave
2: him naked." Why he'll, his plan was to leave. He didn't go back and say hi to Data before he <laughs> peaced out? It's crazy. Um I guess old man Sung had toy dinosaurs so Data could give them to the kids. That's, did yeah. he just did he just pocket a couple on the way out? Or did he also make Riker wait while he went over soon? So Collect some keepsakes. <laughs> right? Yep. When did he grab
1: those? <laughs> that volcano's in his quarters. We'll see it later.
2: <laughs> and uh, Brothers Forgive, also known as Get Ready for Lore to Come Back. Yeah,
1: he'll be back like nine times. To- well, don't no, he'll only be back one more time. We've right decided
2: now. he's still alive, and if we did it once, we're going to do it again. I gave Best Actor to Jordy. I somehow believed that he recognized Dr. Soong, even though that's crazy. It makes no sense that he'd see that old man go, this is Noonie and Soong. But he is positive. Yep. Uh, worst Actor to Picard. Uh, do it. P- Picard says this.
1: I want something that will really help. <laughs>
2: I'm going to play it again, but I'm going to give you the context. Geordi <laughs> says they can't even find the file address for the data's new code, so they don't even know how many digits it is. Not that that would really help. Yeah. And Picard says,
1: I want something that will really help. <laughs>
2: he's such a petulant... I want something that will really help. He's what petulant little bitch. <laughs> what?
1: What emotion is that supposed <laughs> Jordy to be? Geordi would just look at him and go,
2: hey, "Okay, Patrick Stewart, you're the actor on this show. What emotion is I this? want something that will really help. I want help. something that will really help. Which First of all, the emphasis is on want. Yes.
1: First of all, that line is so dumb.
2: It's extremely
1: dumb. Second of all, delivered in a wild way. I want yeah. something that will really help.
2: I, that was one take for sure. Oh
1: man. But seriously, if you're Jordy, you just walk out of the room and you go, "What a what a fucking asshole?" Oh, really? You want something that will really help? I know.
2: You know I haven't clipped anything since the weird music that kind of sounded a little bit like Deep Space Nine's theme in mm-hmm. the OK Corral episode. But when I heard that, I was like, well, I got to remember how I do this.
1: I want something. I did actually, I told you I was going to look out for Dialogue Monster, but I totally forgot.
2: Yeah. Well, didn't you know what it was. It
1: didn't get me, but it does there. <sighs> uh, I got a couple. Yeah, please. This dude in engineering... Uh, this white dude later plays a security guy on DS9, whom we've already seen before. Primmin. Yeah, he's the one who goes, Constable
2: Odo! And then disappears. Yep. Does he die, or does he just
1: he go away? disappears. What is that, the Wadi episode or something?
2: Uh, Yeah. Something that like is, that. It's a, it's a round move along home, for sure.
1: Uh, I had Harry Kim Memorial Award for Worst Actor in a Main Cast Role Candidate. <laughs> Troy for Why Don't You Try, Jake? yeah that wasn't great and he's like he won't even listen to me there's no reason I can't I can't apologize if he won't even look at me and she gives the most fucking dead eyed dead voiced fucking why don't you try Jake
2: hey hey what the- what did Wolf 359 do to her <laughs> because she's been given trash advice ever since yeah. first she's just standing in Picard's quarters probably uninvited saying why would you go back to France
1: yeah where's he supposed to go Tahiti <laughs> that's right Uh, I just told you I haven't been back in a long time, so I'd like to go back. She's just fucking sitting there being a little turd. Um, Noonien soon created a living, sentient robot because he felt the need to, like Michelangelo and his sculptures. Cool, cool, cool. Yep. No good explanation at all on that.
2: Also, way to tell Data he's a thing. Yep, because it's there, I guess. Because Data has to put the pieces together and say, "So basically, I'm like your kid." And then he goes, "Oh yeah, kind yeah,
1: yes, yeah, yeah, kid, it's uh, kid is what kind of <laughs> fucking asshole."
2: Also, don't forget that uh, Noonien Sung starts off by patting him on the cheek and saying, "I always loved that face." <sighs> yeah, he's the worst, huh? He's, he's the main villain of Star Trek, I think. And
1: they call him Boy, too, which I just hate.
2: And How are you, boy? He definitely thinks of Data as other and less than. You know, I used to say to old Tom Handy, Yeah. <laughs> What's
1: fuck's happening?
2: <clears throat>
1: Soong is like, I thought you were on my old shelf, so I never tried to help you had I known also, you were walking I, around I out. Burned.
2: also I got a burn notice and I left <laughs> before the crystalline entity came and I could never go back there because they're looking for me
1: Well, this is what I'm saying so he's like I thought you were on my shelf so I didn't do anything had I known you were walking around out there but like why not go back and get him and fix it
2: yeah did he think that the crystalline att- entity was attacking every day just offering over it attacking a lifeless planet why didn't he tell anyone he was alive it's a real BS apology is all I'm saying yeah, we know because he's making himself a wife. <laughs> that's right. There's being a real Kevin Uxbridge about it. New
1: emotions lore after he gets the new chip appeared to be doing De Niro impressions at times. <laughs> I wish we had this was an audio pod, because I would <laughs> have screenshot at some faces he was making that were extremely De Niro.
2: He was. He was.
1: Um that's it, man. This one was uh not a winner. A real poor effort from TNG. Well, the whole week. I mean, yes, it was not a good week again. I think we're yeah, back in filler season.
2: The scores are in. it, it is filler. I mean, season. it doesn't explain
1: it doesn't explain both Voyager being in a two parter and Enterprise being in a two parter. But those shows suck.
2: Yeah, no, but it is true because this week uh, had an average of twenty five point four. That's not good. Which is which is point two of a <laughs> two tenths of a point worse than last week. Oh God! So that's not great. Um. In uh in fifth place with seventeen points, Year of Hell Part two.
1: It wasn't good.
2: That's uh seventeen total points. It scored one total point for world building. It's hard to do worse than that. Uh fourth place this week with nineteen points, Stormfront part one. So the two yep. two parters really did not shine this week. Eight and total uh,
1: shit. That one got a one in premise.
2: And uh, just to do the math for you, the Year of Hell two-parter ends up with a total of 39 points.
1: That's the all-time low, but we'll see if Stormfront can beat it.
2: Well, if Stormfront gets (laughs) under 20 points next week, then it would be worse. So it seems very possible. Uh, Third place this week with 24 points. Still bad. uh, It's real bad. TNG Brothers.
1: Yep, Only four points for the premise.
2: Not notching another win this week. Uh, second place this week with an extremely average score of 32, mm. TOS the Minders. That one was all premise. Hey, way to go, buddy. Yeah, it was all premise. I got 15 points for premise.
1: Yeah, we each gave it 16, so we were pretty clear on that one.
2: Yeah, and uh, the winner this week with a pretty pretty poor showing of 35 points, Deep Space Nine rejoined.
1: Yep, that was me. I gave it twenty one. This was actually yep. your second place episode. You
2: had uh you had seven yeah we had a seven point differential on that one. Yeah. But frankly, I guess the it could have been a TOS win if yes. your score had been more like mine for sure. But it's uh it's Deep Space Nine getting their twenty third win. Yep. Uh TNG has twenty nine and the lead, uh the original series has seventeen, five for Enterprise, two for Voyager. That those two numbers haven't changed in a while, especially Voyager.
1: No, I'll tell you what number I'm looking at that I'm kind of starting to get worried about is the overall average per
2: episode is now down to thirty point two. It has come down a little bit. Uh, it used to, it definitely used to be over thirty one.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of worried that one's going to slip below thirty at some point.
2: It's possible.
1: I mean, we're gonna to uh, lose we'll TOS, see. so that'll be one anchor off of the score. But uh, you still got Voyager and Enterprise, so yeah.
2: Next week Week 77 Mm. We're watching The Savage Curtain
1: Which one's that again?
2: Abraham Lincoln Oh
1: fuck Finally
2: I guess We're watching Suddenly Human That's gonna be a real Treat I expect to enjoy it Deep Space Nine Starship Down
1: I think uh, that one's pretty Self-explanatory
2: Voyager Could there be A less inspiring Episode (laughs) title (laughs) for voyager a show that really struggles than random thoughts
1: that's always what i've wanted is some random thoughts from the writers of voyager yep (laughs) probably just about feet would be my guess
2: and enterprise of course stormfront part two
1: yeah hey i'm not excited about next time at all (laughs) i don't want to watch these like normally there's a tng to anchor it but suddenly human is not a good episode that's in my memory i mean
2: it's going to be a big question about what your real family is and then we all have to decide if Picard made the right choice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's some wild shit in there so we'll have stuff to say, but I don't know if it's I don't know if it's good. Uh yeah, so that's 2 weeks from now next week will be a mailbag. Uh send us some mail that's at brotherdate on the Twitter machine. Uh you can go to brotherdate.com. Um you can email us If you got any cool audio emails or anything you want to send, that's brothers at brotherdate.com. Find us on iTunes and Podcatchers.
2: And, um,
1: I think that's it. You got anything?
2: As you believe, so shall you do. So shall you do. So shall
1: you do. As you believe. As you believe, so shall you do. After reaching the Matrix, the, uh, Magneton Pulse causes a feedback loop. That's nothing. Sorry. Um... (laughs) They make a wormhole happen?